grab your coat. Get your hat, leave your worries on the doorstep. Just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. Can't you hear that pitter-patter? Good evening, everyone. I'd like to bring this um, special Goleta City Council meeting to order of March 7th, 9th, 2023. If you'll all rise and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. Ready, begin. Thank you. We can have roll call for this council. Councilmember Kasdan. Here. Councilmember Reyes Martin. Here. Councilmember Kiriako. Present. Mayor Pro Tempore Richards. Here. And Mayor Brody. I'm here. Okay, at this time we'll have public forum. Anybody that wishes to uh, address anything that's not on the agenda this evening, this is your opportunity. Yes, if anyone in the Zoom webinar app wants to speak to a non-agenda item, please use the raised hand icon and I will call on you. I'm seeing no public comment. Okay, thank you. At this time we'll have um, amendments or adjustments to the, um, the agenda this evening. Madam Mayor, we have no amendments or adjustments. Okay. And that will take us to item A1, City Manager Department Fiscal Year 2023-24 Annual Work Program. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Mayor, members of the council, um, members of the community, uh, this is the, the start of our process um, to present department work plans. Um, and I went back and watched the tape from last year and it was very instructive um, to kind of get an idea how it went last year. They were actually later in the year. Um, there were a, a lot going on last year and I think meetings kind of built up and they got delayed a little bit. You, nodding heads, you remember that. Um, and then the, the order was different too, we, and so we've kind of mixed it up a little bit, but we felt the city manager's office probably should go first. There's a certain logic there. And you're getting three departments tonight, um, city manager's office, general services, and neighborhood services. And then on April 5th, three departments, planning, public works, and finance um, on April 5th. And, um, and then, of course, that leads to the budget CIP in May, and, and there's a certain logic to going through this. This is our opportunity to go through the work plans and talk about priorities. Um, so uh, first slide, please. And so more specifically for the city manager's um, um, work plan, I want to start by looking over there and acknowledging Ryan, our assistant to the city manager. He did the lion's share of the work on putting this together this year. Um, so I want to acknowledge that. He's here to answer questions as well. Assistant City Manager Christy Schmidt is here. She's here to answer questions, and she'll also be taking the part of the presentation uh, when we get to the three divisions that are embedded in the City Manager's office. And you can also see staff out in the audience, one for each of the divisions, uh, City Clerk's office, public relations, and human, human resources. Um, so with that, the purpose of this, I already kind of gave the bigger picture of how priority setting is important, and this leads then into our recommended budget and, and our work, overall work plan for next year. 
Um, so to do that, you know, we start with kind of what, what happened last year. That's why I went back and watched the tape. Uh, and that's where we start when we prepare um, the recommended plan for this year. We look at what's ongoing, what was recommended last year, what more can we add to the list. And of course, we glean along the way um, values that you convey to us through public meetings and private conversations we have of, of what's important to you. So we do make some guesses. And of course, we had the strategic planning session a month ago where certain clues came out of that on what you might be looking for in our work plan for, for next year. So we'll look at, we'll review accomplishments of what we got done that was on the work plan, what carried over, and then what new things um, were added. And there'll be an opportunity for, your, for the council, of course, to take a look at that list and, and ask questions and maybe mix it up and say, oh, um, you know, I see that you're putting something off until two years out. You know, that's important to us. Is there any way we can shuffle things? And I did see that there was some of that that went on last year. So that is the purpose. Um, so with that, let's see if I missed anything. A couple more con contextual points. Um, uh, last November, city passed Measure B. And so staff is putting quite a bit of focus into how to assimilate that re new revenue source into our work plans and into our recommended budget that the council will see in May. And um, as you will recall, uh, of course, there's the ballot language that went out. That's what the voters voted on. Um, but in August of last year, the council had a workshop, essentially. It might have been a regular meeting, um, where there was a, a, a thorough discussion on direction on how that revenue should be used. It's a general tax, um, but it was a, a, a good session. And you might recall a spreadsheet came out of that, a table came out of that. Uh, that we have tonight that we can certainly refer to if we need to um, that gave some guidelines on, on how that money should be spent. So we're using that. That's, that's nice to have. And as we go through the plan, um, questions can certainly be asked about that. But remember, that revenue source does not start until January of next year. And so essentially what we're doing, we've cut the projection in half, and then we took half and applied it with the same percentages as the council applied to the various categories um, last August. So as questions come up, we'll certainly point that out. But you'll see more of that as we come back with the budget, because the budget we're going to bring forward and make it really clear where the council and the reader could actually see the, where, where are these monies applied in various departments' budgets and what programs have been added because of the direction that was given in the new revenue source. So I did want to make that comment. And then one more contextual comment. Um, last year, um, during the budget, 15 positions were added. Um, and that was about 15% of the workforce. So it was not uh, inconsequential, I would argue. And then I think we've added one and a half, possibly, over the course of this year uh, for various um, reasons. Um, me being new and um, coming in, being here six months now, Measure B is not going to kick in for a while. And oh, by the way, there's a state measure that we won't get into that might jeopardize that. Whole nother discussion. But I think we're, you're going to see a conservative approach um, to the budget. And I mention that now, not to get into detail, but that then feed, you know, feeds into the work plan that we're delivering to you, that, that my philosophy and approach with the departments was let's kind of take a pause this year. Let's not grow at the same pace we grew last year. 
maybe, maybe it's possible, but we still have quite a few vacancies that we're filling. And you know, my experience is when there's lots of turnover in an agency and, and you're going through a growth spurt, you gotta be careful to not grow too fast and make sure that you put energy into the people you do hire rather than just expanding, expanding the empire. And so um, that's the approach we're taking. There's probably gonna be some exceptions to that. I'm still thumb wrestling with some of the departments over some of the very important needs. And so we can certainly get to that. But you're gonna see that as kind of a philosophy as we go through this and we get to the budget uh, that we're taking a fairly conservative approach uh, as we try to meet all the needs that, that you and the community want. Next slide. So today, uh, I've already started the presentation. Uh, there's, there's an option here where, um, as I said, uh, Ms. Schmidt's gonna handle uh, the three other divisions. We can certainly stop after uh, my comments because some of the items I believe the council might wanna talk about and have questions about are probably in the slides I'm gonna show. And so we can certainly take a break, have questions, deliberation, even take public comment on those items and split it up if you want. You don't have to. I was just concerned that if we maybe then went clerk, HR, no. then we have to circle back to some of the things I know you're gonna wanna talk about. I would agree, totally okay. agree with that. Um, Mayor Patem Richards. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt your flow already. I, I did have a question just since you brought up Measure B. Um, when we, uh, a year ago when we were going through the process of, of putting it on the ballot, we had an estimate of how much it, uh, it would, uh, a projection of how much revenue it would generate. Are we gonna be updating that before we go into our budget process so that we have a more current estimate of what we think it might uh, generate? Mayor Pro Tem, um, Richards, I'll certainly talk to our finance director about that, but in preliminary conversations, we're starting with the same plug number that was used, which is 10.6 million. Um, that's the starting point. And so I, unless something comes up that he's compelled to believe that he has good reason to start at some different number, I think we would start with that and then go through our normal process where we monitor those those first couple months. In this case, it would be the third and fourth quarter that we start receiving revenue. Mm -hmm. And then when we, we do the, uh, the half year part of our two year budget, a year from now, uh, we'd have six months of, of evidence and would adjust then probably. Okay, thank you. Councilmember Kerry Ockley. Just, just to kind of follow up on that a little bit. I, I think there's some merit in uh, taking a cautious approach and perhaps being a little reticent to update the numbers too much. We, we didn't pull the item from consent at our last council meeting, but the, uh, the second quarter financial status report uh, that we got showed that cannabis money continues to trend downward significantly. And so I, I concur that there's, there's some merit to, to being a little, a little bit cautious when it comes to our projections. There's nothing wrong with getting the most accurate information so we can make an informed decision. But I, I agree with the, the overall theme of take care. Well, and I'm sorry, I wanted to clarify when I said update, that didn't necessarily mean increase, but maybe potentially decrease. So I, I tried to anticipate that yeah. with what I just okay, said. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Understood. So I think you can go to the next slide, Ryan, thanks. So here's a org chart of the city manager's office. Uh, I think it's 15, maybe 15 and a half FTEs. As I already mentioned, you can see the three distinct uh, subdivisions, call them city clerk, Human Resources, Community Relations. We're gonna hear from them a little bit later. And then the collection of 5.25 positions, everyone else, so to speak, uh, we call general administration. So that's what I'm gonna focus on. 
um, the city manager's office, Christy, Ryan, uh, the positions you see there. Might as well mention them all. Shannon, who am I missing? Don, of course. Um, any questions just about the org chart, the staffing? It has not changed um, since last year. Maybe a little bit, but not much. Um, yeah. So as I said, we're going to start with, well, what did we accomplish already? The bullet points here are departmental highlights. And so you're going to see also accomplishments division by division. We thought these ones were broad enough to kind of point them out here. Uh, hiring of two, two critical positions, human resources, city manager. That occurred um, over the course of this year. Uh, the election, of course, I've already mentioned, huge accomplishment. Measure B, um, and, and the, the revenue that I'll bring in. So that was just a big lift by everyone and something we could really be excited about. It was huge. Uh, new council member. <laughs> Onboarding, orientation. Did you get your orientation? Yes, OK. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the implementing of hiring incentives and retentions, um, maybe if questions come up, um, Christy can answer this. This I recall this was happening when I was going through the interview process, and there was a couple discussions probably in April and May about the challenges of hiring certain positions generally, but there were some key positions, engineers, maybe some others. And so some incentives were put into place. I think they've been used maybe in a couple examples. Um, but we're continuing to see that. To my point, we still have vacancies, and you've heard the challenges from when you talk to other agencies, you read it in the news about hiring just generally, and of course it is hitting us. We're doing the best we can, and when we get to HR, you can certainly have that conversation. The new website, um, that happened six weeks ago. I'm sure uh, that'll be touched on more when we get to the public relations. Um, we were worried about that. As it got close, I recall, maybe I was. I know Kelly probably was. Um, but it was pretty cool, I thought, that when that was launched, um, I don't know. It was almost eerie that there wasn't, I was expecting, you know, maybe some negative feedback, some glitches. Um, it was pretty impressive. So um, that was a huge accomplishment. And everything we've heard is that people just love the, the easier interface. And we're probably still working out some details behind the scene, but pretty, pretty huge. And then the personnel rules, um, I believe that's in process or is about to be done or already is done. Council approved them last month. Last month, that's right. Next slide, please. Okay, so now I'm getting to the, the quarter of the city manager's office. That is not the three other divisions. Next slide, please. Uh, 5.25 FTEs, as I mentioned. Um, three bullet points here of kind of our re responsibilities. First one, general oversight. Uh, of the organization, administrative support to city council, budget management, um, agenda forecasting, et cetera. And then I'll highlight in the next bullet point, there's several there, um, but these are little programs um, that maybe one day become their own division. It all depends um, as, we, as we grow. Um, but for right now, economic development, public safety, um, strategic plan was just brought to the council a month ago, but also legislative advocacy. I think three pretty big programs are handled in, in general administration. 
uh, and we'll get to those um, shortly. There's a bullet point on both economic development and public safety. And then on ledge advocacy, of course, we have a, we have a committee and we're working right now for a trip up to Sacramento to do some advocacy. Uh, next slide, please. So now these are accomplishments, not broadly, but more specifically to this portion of the city manager's office. Uh, emergency response uh, during the rainfall events. We have more to come um, from what I'm hearing, not looking as bad for Santa Barbara. Um, that's good. Um, but as you will recall, we did declare an emergency. We actually had to extend that emergency. Um, so it ended up being, I think, over 30 days. And work is um, still going on for that. Uh, as, as you all know, uh, the majority of the work in many of these instances is the recovery. Uh, and that can go on for a while. And so public works and other staff are still working on um, assessing all the damages and doing our best to get reimbursement from FEMA. Uh, housing element, won't go into detail, but we certainly can if you like. Uh, our own housing element, adopted by the council, submitted on time um, to HCD. They are now reviewing it. That has become an iterative process, hot off the press as of today. Um, but of course, the goal is certification. Um, and then the work that we've done um, commenting on our county's housing element, and that is also ongoing as they try to get theirs to the point of adoption. Uh, the Goleta um, Community Center Strategic Plan we put down as an accomplishment. Uh, these accomplishments are through June 30th of this year. This one's not quite finished yet, um, but this the intention is to have this effort come to council April 18th, I believe, uh, so coming to you shortly. Uh, RFP for professional services uh, for diversity, equity, inclusion, a DEI plan. Um, I'll mention, get a little bit more into that um, in the next slide. Um, but the accomplishment here is that an RFP recently went out. We are going to be hiring an expert. And that contract probably will be executed this fiscal year. But that'll set the stage for our work next fiscal year. Um, ledge program strategic plan a month ago. Next slide, please. So here's um, our proposal for next year. And, and when we come back to council and have questions and get into some deliberation, we'll obviously put this slide back up. And you can have a conversation about um, these items. I'll make some comments on uh, most of them. And then our, my last slide are some items that are more long range and items that we're recommending that we don't have time to get to next year. But on this list, I just mentioned the DEI plan. Um, Christy and I were at a conference um, just a month ago or so and went to a presentation by three other cities um, who were doing some, you know, just really innovative stuff. We thought we were both really impressed. And so it was just, you know, it was one of those moments at a conference and you don't always get these moments um, with, with presentations. Um, but, you know, light bulbs went on for us and it was pretty exciting. So we're kind of jazzed about this and uh, she came back and got that RFP out and so um, kind of full court on, on this effort, and we can certainly go into more detail, but um, this is going to be a thrust for next year, and it was just exciting to see what other cities uh, are doing in this area. Uh, economic development uh, strategic plan, and by the way, all these bullet points except for two are, are, are items that were in the previous plan. I'll get to the new ones in a second. So the economic development strategic plan, uh, that also will be coming to you um, before the end of the fiscal year, but the item for next year is to start implementing 
and that could go on for a while, obviously. Um, just between now and the end of this fiscal year, there's probably two or three more core planning team meetings, there's one more advisory team meeting, and then it comes to council once, twice if needed. Uh, the MOT site um, has been in the plan previously, that work goes on. This is one of those ones that um, we can't control everything, so uh, it's hard to put um, a schedule on it, and, and it can fall through the cracks a little bit. But this one will be in transition. As you know, uh, we're actually having my predecessor, she's on retainer, does work on certain projects for us, and this is one of the projects she's working on. That contract will end uh, at the end of this fiscal year. So that this, this effort will be transitioned to someone else in the city manager's office or possibly in one of the departments as we continue to work on that. Old Town Visioning was in the plan for next year. We put it here um, because of the coordination between the city manager's office and the planning department because there's such a coordination with economic development. The lead will probably be planning and development and you're gonna see their work plan uh, in April. Um, but there's certainly a coordination on this big effort. Short-term vacation rentals was also uh, uh, in the, our work plan for last year. Uh, not a lot of progress was made on this. As you might recall, it was broken down into three, kind of three steps or three phases. Um, there is something that will be coming to council before the end of this fiscal year, though, so some progress is being made. And that is a, an, a slight ordinance change so that we, so that we require Airbnb and other platforms to have a space on their registration to put in someone's business license. The reason this is so important is if someone puts a fake business license in, we can now, we have a mechanism to catch it. Um, so that's an important step. And, and then the other step that will be coming forward to council before the end of this fiscal year is we're proposing to actually enter into a contract with Airbnb. Airbnb is by far the biggest of the platforms, probably the second is VRBO. And by entering into a contract with them, they, they pay the TOT off the top. So the way we do it now, we have to collect. And we actually ha have a company that does that for us, HDL. But once you enter into a contract with um, Airbnb, uh, they, will, they put that into their platform. And that money has to, they pay, Airbnb pays us, not all the individuals. So that's coming before the end of this fiscal year. But more work on that. That will that will ongo all of next year. Yep. Just an observation there, and I think it's that's great. And I and my observation is just that uh, I think you know, given the housing element and all of that, our number what'll be valuable is the information on how many active how many people are actively renting to know what the situation is, as opposed to the TOT per se. TOT is good, you know, nothing against it, but knowing how much. How expansive is the issue of people uh, using the, those places? That'll be the, a real important bit of information. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, this is just the first step, making sure we're actually collecting, collecting the money that is owed to us. Um, but I think to your point, it's more the policy of, of what's acceptable. And the obvious example that other cities have done is made the decision that it must be owner-occupied. And that, that's just one example. Um, where, where it's a policy decision whether or not you would allow someone who doesn't live in the house to actually use it as it. That's just an example, but that, that could be coming, correct. I, just an observation on that, and I know we're not agendized, 
really hard to enforce that one. I would just, uh, you know, there's some things that are easier to enforce, and I've heard that one raised yeah. before, but just, it's just that's a tricky one. Threw it out there by way of example. You know, I might suggest, too, I'd be curious and when we're looking into that to what, um, where are the majority? Are they spread out through the whole, or are they kind of centralized? Are they in certain neighborhoods? And we plan um, to get that data. Good, exactly. Yep. So get the contracts, get the data, and then the policy might be the hardest part, but... Maybe it's fine the way it is. Um, the sheriff's contract, um, that was on the list last year. The assumption was that um, that would not be on the list uh, this year um, because the task was to move towards a, a longer-term contract, say five years. And last year, we, we entered into a one-year contract to give us the time to do that, and unfortunately, that has not been accomplished. And so I can say right now, uh, almost 100% we're going to probably do another one-year extension, and this is going to on-go. So we can certainly talk about that, and I can take more questions on that, but the goal on that is to come to uh, favorable terms, uh, a, a, a quality contract um, that's fair and is good for our community and long and long-term. Um, the, next, uh, the next two items are the new ones. So out of the strategic planning meeting a month ago. Question? Sorry, yeah. I didn't see your, um, be excuse be me. Before we leave the topic of the sheriff's contract, and we, of course, appreciate our sheriffs and all the work that they do for us, um, I have to ask the question, it's perhaps a strategic question and a policy question. Um, you know, without going into too many of the details, we clearly have a difference of philosophy with the sheriff's department for how the contract should be written and administered. Um, what is our thinking, and perhaps this is not to be answered right now, but just to contemplate and to know that it's on some of our minds, how do we get ourselves out of a place where we just do one year and one year and perpetuate the continuing contract model versus getting ourselves extricated from that and into a new approach that is perhaps more amenable to both parties? Yeah, great question. Thank you for that, Councilmember Carioco, Madam Mayor. Um, I think that's a very astute observation um, because I think one could argue, and, I, and I'm new, so it takes time, um, and you know, working on other priorities. Uh, and this is another example where um, uh, we've we've kept uh, Michelle Green on to to kind of see some of this through. Um, but I think the observation is that yeah, we're all busy, we're busy, the sheriff gets busy, and all of a sudden this becomes a lower priority. Because in the one-year model, we basically say, well, we didn't get to it. Let's just do a one-year contract, split the baby, and we'll go on for another year. And you're right, that can perpetuate itself. And so, um, yeah, I'm committed. You know, I'm, I can't say I'm on my honeymoon anymore. Two years, two years of extending it's probably enough. Um, but there are some prickly issues. There are some prickly issues. And I, and I just want to be clear, I'm not in any way uh, anything but proud of everything that's been accomplished uh, by our council, by our staff. Uh, and you're off to a very good start, so please don't take Thanks. anything I said to indicate it otherwise. You, you've had a lot of uh, competing priorities to juggle, and they're very important priorities. So yeah. thank you for that. I, I just want to make sure that everyone knows that some of us are thinking about these things and you know, want to get that resolved sooner rather than later. Yeah, and, and part of it, it's both sides, and part of it, you know, I put it on their side. You know, if, if the lack of motivation isn't there on their side, it's hard for us to even get meetings with them. And so at some point, you know, you have to get someone's attention. And so maybe we get to that point where we do something that gets 
someone gets their attention. Yeah, I thought we had a, some kind of process in a way where we were agreeing on some sort of model or for a consulting firm or something like that that would kind of come up with some process that would ensure that it was, uh, you know, all sides was transparent and fair and so forth. I mean, the process that they had before was, was terrible, and it's not they couldn't, you know, rehash or anything like that. But it was hard to explain or justify it. Even they had a hard time being able to do that. And so coming up with a, a different process is, is key. And I thought we had a, some kind of agreement on how to go about it. Councilmember Kaz, no, that's all true. That, that, that's all true. Um, I would just say eight months can go very fast when the motivation isn't there to come to the bargaining table. And so I think we have to up the, up the pressure a little bit. Okay. Thank you. Um, the next two are the new ones, as I mentioned. I, when I went back and watched the tape from last year, the, the substation in Old Town was, was discussed. You might all remember that. You're nodding your heads. I don't know if it actually made it into the plan. It didn't. But it was a, it was a little side discussion that you had last year. You had the discussion again when we brought the strategic plan forward. It was enough of a discussion for us to put it in the plan. There's some questions, was, you know, some good questions here about its use as a substation uh, or, or some other use even. And so that's how we've put it in there, evaluating the continuing need for the substation. Um, so that's on the list. And we can certainly talk a little bit more if you want to dive a little bit more tonight on that one. And then also uh, out of the strategic planning discussion, uh, there was unanimous concurrence um, to, to start um, taking more seriously an analysis of the Triangle property adjacent to City Hall and, and take a, a more disciplined, you know, people spit out ideas. That's been going on for a couple of years maybe, but now maybe hire someone, put some options together, and, and have kind of a more of a roll up your sleeve, like what's the long-term best use for this? And, and I would just argue, without going into too much detail, or at least where my head goes, is I, keep, I divide it into short-term and long-term. Because I think a lot of the thought is, what's the best long-term use? And there's probably lots of great ideas. And when we settle on that idea, that's probably going to take five years. So then the next question is, do we do anything in the, in the next five years? And, and then it's, I think there's ideas for, for more things that you can do faster. And, I, and I'll use the word pop-up probably under overused, um, but so I, I you know, kind of se separate them into, hey, we could do some short-term things out there while we're waiting to do the long-term thing. So I think there's some exciting possibilities there with that item, so we're really happy to have that on the list. Next item, also very happy to have on the list. This certainly came up last year. Uh, not a lot of progress was probably made this year, but there's a game changer, and I mentioned it at the beginning uh, of my presentation, Measure B was passed, and in that table that I mentioned, absolutely that was one of the categories. And so when that money starts coming in in January, I don't have the dollar amount in front of me. It's, it's um, fairly substantial. Um, there's an opportunity to do some exciting things in this area. So our, our thought is we should try to hit the ground running a little bit. So even though the money doesn't, we don't have substantial money to start doing anything until January, we, we have, we, it's on our list. We have staff, and we, we want to start thinking about it and doing some things so that when the money does start coming in, we can do some meaningful things for the council and the community. 
And then last, uh, noise ordinance. Um, this, this has been ongoing and it came up recently in a couple different ways. It's come up through some noise complaints. It came up from um, Mayor Pro Tem Richards on some other kind of neighborhood type issues. And this had been worked on for a while, uh, kind of unbeknownst to me. And so we're certainly dusting this off and plan to bring this back. I can't commit that this is actually gonna be done this fiscal year, might spill over, um, but this got back on the list or was already on the list. Uh, next slide, please. So those, that's our work plan uh, for, this, for the city manager's office. Uh, I won't go into a lot of detail on these five. Um, they have clearly come up in previous discussions. Um, so once they kind of get on the list, we don't take them off until you tell us to take them off. There might be some things that we say are just too out there, you know, that we should put them in the parking lot or put, you know. But here are, uh, and there might be a couple more that didn't even make the slide. Um, but certainly, if the council has any new ideas, that's the point of today's meeting, or if any of these five bullet points are appealing. Actually, I'll call attention to the third one because it tangentially uh, came up um, just last <coughs> Tuesday uh, in the approval of Heritage Ridge. The question came up, and they mentioned a program they had, and that led to a little bit of a discussion of, of a broader program. Apparently, this idea was already had already been talked about before, um, but it's not on our immediate list um, for next fiscal year. Um, so with that, again, Mayor, if you want to keep going, you can, or we can go back to the slide before we get to the other divisions. Yeah, I think we have some questions. I know yeah. I have You want to go back to the, or no, stay on this no, slide? No, you stay on this. Um, it's fine. Uh, Councilman McKesson? Yeah, a couple of things. So first, since starting, I don't know if it's last, but as far as the um, options for uh, workforce housing, at least as far... Uh, I, I think that's on planning's uh, uh, scope of work because they, number one, they included it okay. in the housing element as one of the things that we're working on, and this was kind of that local preference. Uh, so I think I think we on, have that. I have not reviewed their work plan yet, but it's coming to you April fifth. Okay. Well, I don't want to ruin the surprise for planning. <laughs> you know, I, you know. Now it's like, well, he's already talked. Is that the about third? It. Is that the third bullet point? That's the third bullet. Okay. Right. Fair uh, enough. And um, I guess I would edit the second bullet a little, but I don't think there's a need to, right? This is just a summary. I don't think it has to be incentives for Goleta employers, per se. But, um, but the other one I wanted to add, and this might be in, on the order, sort of like the child care. We got an email on, um, uh, from EDC uh, talking about Creek and Watershed uh, Master Plan. And I guess it, it's, um, and you had had it uh, originally, you had a, a bullet in the uh, written document that you shared, which was also, wasn't specifically or solely childcare, but it was sort of getting ready for the, ta the measure B to come through. And I think with respect to the uh, Creek and Watershed Plan, partly it's, the, the concern, that I've heard raised is that it's, there's a concern that the activities are stovepiped in a way, that you have people who are working on elements of the Creek and Watershed Plan. So in public works, you have uh, you know, George and Melissa each working on elements and, and you know fine, no complaints or anything like that. But is there that kind of overall vision? And maybe to some of it, you know, touch into other areas or something like that. So the question would be, and this would be 
um, just for one of the things for you to think about is what's the best way to oversee that plan? Is it with uh, the technical advisory group that, that exists? Is it with uh, eventually hiring somebody? Doesn't have to be now, but at some point hiring somebody or part-time perhaps? Uh, is it, um, well, I don't know, I leave that. But I think that's one of the things to look at is how to better or best implement that plan because that one also had a lot of money going to it and it's a plan with so many elements in it. There's so many creeks and so many elements that it would be good to have that sort of comprehensive or strategic view. Certainly, and I can comment a little bit now, uh, Councilmember Kazan, Madam Mayor. Um, so you're absolutely right. Um, that is a line item in, in that worksheet uh, from the Measure B discussion. Again, I can't remember the, the number, but it was also pretty large. And I would agree with um, your characterization of how it's, how it's organized right now. We have environmental, both are in public, it's in public works primarily, um, but environmental services I would say is lead, but absolutely it spills over into parks and open space, which is managed by George Thompson. And so that's the, the structure we have now. Um, I, yeah, I think some thought should go into that. And, 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 and there could be money in the capital improvement plan to the extent that ideas that come out of there become capital projects and then they're gonna be managed by someone else. And so there's actually three places uh, that it could appear. And so, I, yeah, I, I agree, some thought needs to go into that. I guess off the top of my head, I think environmental services is probably the lead and obviously, we have lots of instances in, in our organization where collaboration is the, is the key. Uh, you organize yourself to the best of your ability, and you know, there's lots of thought that goes into that, but ultimately, we, we do best when we collaborate. And I think it's, it's good that, from what I understand, um, George Thompson and Melissa Nelson get along really well, so that's a good, that's a start. Um, so, they, so by nature, they have to collaborate. Um, there's no doubt about it. And they probably have meetings themselves about and are starting to think about just what you're asking. So I look forward to their presentation. We'll make sure to tell Public Works uh, to put some, put some focus on that and be ready for that discussion when we come back on April 4th. Okay. You know, I you. I'll comment while, while we're on that topic. On, um, you know, I think it also spills over into neighborhood services with the homeless, um, homelessness um, committee and, uh, you know, the waterways and um, the encampments. Um, Excellent critical. point. Um, Excellent to point. That point as well. So, yep. um, so it it, <laughs> it it goes through a lot of different departments. But uh, you know, my comments are just brief, basically. That you know, I I meant to start off with this uh, before we even got started with the fact that, you know, this is such an incredible opportunity for the public to to see all that we have accomplished and for us to pat ourselves on the back for a lot of, you know, you, we get so caught up in going, 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 getting things that, you know, when you look back on the list of all that we have done, and this is just a, a part of it, you know, we're gonna have more workshops. Um, I think it's good to remind us that, you know, we're, we're doing good work and there's still stuff that we, we all always have a wish list. <laughs> and, um, you know, we still have so many things we want done. Um, I, I guess when we're also on this slide, um, I, I, I'm struggling to understand, and maybe you can help me, why is it taking so long <laughs> to work at, with um, the school and for a recreation agreement? I mean, how long have we been talking about that? 
<laughs> I'm sorry. No. I, I don't understand, and now it's on the long range. So help me understand. Yeah, Madam Mayor, that's a great question, and I'm not sure I have uh, the perfect answer to that one either. Uh, again, just based on my limited time here, and you know, a, a handful of meetings I've had um, listening to people and and with the superintendent, and you know, it may be it may be again, and and I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but maybe there's a, a lack of motivation a little bit on both sides based on the outcomes of what it really means to both agencies. I mean, may, it's maybe one of those great ideas in theory, but maybe it benefits one agency more than the other. Maybe both agencies get busy, you know, with all of our normal work. I, I don't know, so I'm probably speaking a little out of turn. It doesn't mean it can't be raised up, and we can't put more intentionality to calling the school district and say, hey, let's, we've talked about this now for five years, let's, let's do it, or come to the come to some agreement that, well, maybe maybe there wasn't as much here as we thought, and so, you know, I just don't know what I don't know yet. So uh, that's that's all I got. There's probably other people here that know a little bit more than me. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Nisbet. Um, we've been talking about this with our neighborhood services team as well, and, and kind of where does this fall in the priority list? You know, generally when agencies have a shared use agreement with the recreation, you know, uh, it's because they have a robust recreation program like Santa Barbara. And so the school districts give their fields um, so that, and then the city gives them money to maintain their fields. And in return, the city gets the use of those fields for their recreation programs. And with us not having a very robust in-house program of recreation programs, um, you know, there's that, okay, you know, I, we know they want the money <laughs> for us to, to, you know, to maintain the fields, but it's just sort of like, where would we use that benefit to the city since we don't have those programs? So, but if you wanted to us to, you know, push that up in the priorities, we certainly could. But that's been that's been the discussion that I've had with neighborhood services as we talk through kind of their list. Well, I, I appreciate hearing that, and it seems like to me, and I don't do not know um, any more than what I'm hearing. Um, you know, it seems like it's almost like low-hanging fruit, you know, especially since, but there could, it could be very involved. And I'm going to go to um, Councilmember Kasdan and then to Councilmember Reyes-Martin because I'm sure she has, definitely has something to say. <laughs> yeah, she has more than I know. <laughs> but, but I'll just make uh, two observations. One is that it, when you have conversations about the MOT, you can, you know, these work together. So... Even though one time. is long, yeah. Economies of scale. Got it. There you go. Uh, the other thing is just think about, and we've talked about this before, you know, if a good idea is to have some sort of joint meeting or something like that, if that would be a way to enhance moving these. Uh, so, you know, just think about what the process would, would be most helpful. Councilmember Reyes-Martin. Yeah, I think, of course, I could talk a lot about this. And I'm also <laughs> reminding myself which hat I have on. Because, of course, I have strong feelings from the school district side as well. Um, so first, I'll acknowledge that there are two school districts we're talking about, Goleta Union and Santa Barbara Unified. So we do have Goleta Valley Junior High and, and Dos Pueblos. Um, I really see this as a proactive effort. Um, so the the status quo that we have right now with the elementary schools in Goleta is they are all open to the public after school, on the weekends, all the time. They get tremendous use from the community. 
um, part, not just in the passive kind of let's go hang out at the playground, but for recreation. Um, in the last two weeks, because my kids are playing baseball, <laughs> we have baseball practices, and I have been at Elwood, Brandon, um, and Kellogg. Um, and at each one of those sites, there are two or three other teams also having their practices, um, whether that's soccer or, or baseball, at all times, because they're like really the only places where those practices can take place. It's a great community benefit for our residents, and there's no fee associated with it. They just kind of work it out with the school to make sure that everyone has their space um, in the absence of other large parks. Now, in Santa Barbara, my understanding is that the elementary schools for Santa Barbara Unified are closed after school and on the weekends. They are not accessible to the public, and so you see that tension with the city parks for things like practices and games. Um, so I think you know they're getting a lot of use. I see them very often, our, the schools in Goleta, they're getting a lot of wear and tear. <laughs> and the school district I know has really struggled with maintaining the grass fields. Um, there's always issues around like, is the bathroom open or not? You know, when you have a lot of people. Um, and they're really accommodating a lot of these groups and our residents. I don't know how long they can continue to do that with the additional use. Um, so I really see this as a proactive way to talk about, you know, our residents are using our schools for recreation. Um, and I don't want it ever get to the point where the school district feels like they need to close the schools in order to maintain, you know, their facilities. So I think it's really proactive, and I think this could be a really great way for us to have a better idea of the data around that kind of recreational use that's happening um, at the school. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I just learned about the um, schools, uh, Santa Barbara schools, all being locked up, and you know I, I was really surprised to hear that. I did not realize that, and and then I went and checked to make sure ours aren't locked up. You know, I mean that's so needed. So I, I think a proactive approach is definitely, yeah, the right way to go. Councilmember Carriaco. Oh, I had a lot to say, but then Councilmember Reyes Martin said it all and more. So no, I don't need to say anything. Okay, Mayor Pretend Richard. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I actually wanted to comment uh, not on that, but on one of the other things uh, related, which was the MOT. And I want to make sure. Right, I guess you I just want to back to the other slide. Yeah, uh, it was, I think, the slide before. The, yeah, I, I just want to put a plug that I, I think that should be one of one of our higher priorities because I'm concerned about the timing of that. And we've heard that the, the, the school district, and you, you might have more information, uh, Council Member Luis Reyes Martin, but, I, you know, in, in watching the meetings that they've discussed this previously, you know, it looked like they, that they were under uh, pressure to, upgrade the facility to put in the appropriate EV infrastructure that they need for their buses. Uh, we know this is going to take time, and so you know they, they need to start working on this. Uh, they're already working on, on this uh, at this point. And I think if we don't act soon and prioritize this, that it'll be a lost opportunity. I think that this is a, a site that um, we, we can imagine have, has a great you know, potential. It's right immediately next to the um, the community center. It's a significantly sized uh, piece of land, and I think that it could really contribute a lot to Old Town and to the 
the services and the functions of what we are looking for um, and what we want to do in Old Town. So I guess I'm just saying that because I, I, I don't want to miss this opportunity and I want to make sure that we have the appropriate resources devoted and, and give this a, a, a pr appropriate priority now. Thank you. Councilmember Cariaco. Thanks for coming back to me. <laughs> I, I, well, I want to echo what Councilmember uh, Mayor Pro Tem uh, Richard said. Um, I also think that um, from everything I understand, um, Ms. Green is working hard on this matter. She's engaging with uh, experts in the real estate field, people that are helping with the economic development strategic plan, for example, who have knowledge in these areas. So um, I have no doubt that there is, um, if, it, if it doesn't go forward, it won't be for a lack of effort, effort there, but I do think it's important perhaps um, to support what you're saying so that it gets higher on the plan so that maybe it's, you know, 10 hours a week versus five hours a week, you know, whatever we need to do to kind of direct the resources and effort from that regard, I, I would be strongly supportive of that. I mean, I just feel very strongly that, you know, it's, it's so important in any negotiation to understand the other side's perspective. And, um, you know, real estate is not their business, education's their business. And I think we have to be cognizant of that even from the standpoint of we really want the site because we have so many great things we could do with it. So uh, whatever we can do to basically identify those three, five, seven, nine, whatever the number ends up being potential good locations for them to go that would meet their needs and then uh, figure out a way to come up with a plan where we could basically deliver something to them and say, here, all we need you to do is vote yes on this and we have our solution. And that's probably a, a bit of an oversimplification, but I think conceptually that's where I think we need to try and drive this. Okay. Um, Mayor Pretem, did you? No. Oh, okay. Me. Council Member Kasdan? Yeah, actually, one more on the same topic is um, that in the past it had seemed like the discussions that we had had with the school board were characterized by miscommunication in many ways, that they seemed to be taking away a very different message than we thought we had or they were inferring a lack of interest on our part or it just seemed like it wasn't the, our intentions, our, our enthusiasm wasn't being uh, coming through well and what we really believed wasn't being understood. So number one, I, think I concur to include this as one of our priorities and make it a point because I do think Again, as uh, Mayor Pro Tem Richard said, there is a ticking clock in many ways. Uh, and I guess, so I would urge more communications. Uh, the other thing, too, is that I understand uh, this is consistent with what council men, councilmen, it's hard to say, councilperson, um, Reyes Martin said uh, that. Um, they, you know, a lot of what the coordination associated with the shared use agreement is, is us giving them money. Uh, to the extent that they are supportive and enthusiastic about the idea of us giving them money, that might also be part of the same discussion and so forth, so link those two in some fashion. No, thank you for that. Your message of tying the two together was not lost on me. <laughs> thank you. Do we have any other questions? I, I do. Kariako? Oh, I just wanted to, I wanted to thank staff for adding the, uh, the child care policy development item to the list. I think that's really important. Um, you know, we had some work done in the prior year 
uh, by the United Way that presented us with some, some information about the, the um, what's at stake, um, what are some ideas that could be presented that could help make a dent in the issue. Um, we've heard from our state legislators and our Congress member that this is a high priority item for them. They hosted a, a workshop with the local business community. Um, the local business community is asking for solutions uh, sooner rather than later. And so I'm really glad that that's on there. Um, and I think that a couple of things just to kind of highlight that were recommendations uh, from the uh, United Way study and the consultant Maria Chesley who did such excellent work. One of them was developing a child care action plan and the other is finding creative ways to actually start putting some money into the system to empower families and support providers. And so I don't want to tie anyone's hands and staff will go and do the work and, and bring us back uh, some, some good options. So I don't want to be directive here, but just I wanted to, to thank everyone for um, what they've done to, um, to get this on the list. Councilmember McCaskey. Yeah, just one thing, it's um, an observation that in, when I've heard discussions about the police, it's been, we can't ha find police, that it's just impossible to get them. When uh, we've talked about, <coughs> let's say, with the county and the housing element, there's a, there's a crisis that they've been unable to get planners. For us, we've had challenges getting public works people. And my understanding is that it, with childcare, when the state takes, starts offering state, you know, government money, government salaries to childcare workers to provide assistance for those kids coming, this is coming up next year or so, uh, from fourth, from four years old will now be covered by the government and three and a half for those who are disabled. It's going to vacuum up all of the staff that are now working in childcare facilities. And so, you know, there's a potential crisis that's going to be emerging. And so it really, this is really timely to be able to think through a policy now before the crisis hits because it's going to be, I think, a, like an employment tsunami if it's really, if our current bizarre employment situation <laughs> continues where we still, we, with every profession, we wonder, where are the workers? Uh, so, but in any case, so I commend you for this one. I'm not seeing any more questions. Um, is that, is this an appropriate time to go to public comment? Sure. If anyone within the Zoom webinar wishes to speak to this item, please use the raised hand icon and I will call on you. I'm seeing none. Okay. So at this point, Madam Mayor, we can switch to Christy and the three divisions. If there's nothing else for the conversation we just had, the list looked good, it sounds like. We will go forth. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. oh. So I gave you the opportunity. Uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry. Most dangerous place in the world between me and a microphone. Um, I didn't see a slide, um, but I just wanted to get a sense. I believe in the city manager's work plan, um, project labor agreements was a, was a item. And I just wanted to get a sense, I know in our 2023 work plan, you know, under accomplishments, that was an ongoing item. I just want to confirm that's still in the plan for 2024. I just didn't want that to get lost in the dis discussion. It is, and I, I don't know where it resides necessarily, but maybe 
possibly, hopefully, it was our intention to actually have it done this year, uh, in, in which case it would then be an accomplishment. Okay, thank you. Okay, Ms. Schmidt. Thank you, Mr. Nisbet and Mayor Prodi and City Council members. Um, the first division that we'll talk about is the City Clerk's Division. This uh, division has four full-time members and one part-time staff member for 4.9 FTEs, and it is headed up by Deborah Lopez, our esteemed city clerk. Uh, the city clerk is the local public official who administers our democratic processes, uh, including elections. Uh, she coordinates the agenda, she and her staff, the agenda process for the city council, clerks at meetings, records its minutes, including resolutions, ordinances, and other actions. Um, they also facilitate hybrid participation in those meetings and broadcast the meetings over city uh, TV and the internet. Uh, the division maintains the official records of the city and ensures appropriate records retention and destruction policies and ensures access for the public to our public records, uh, current and historical. Um, they ensure compliance with the Brown Act and the Political Reform Act and the Public Records Act, and I know they uh, advise us all in the day-to-day -day implementation of those laws, the important laws. They conduct recruitments for boards and commissions and train support staff to and the liaisons to all of our boards, commissions, and committees. Um, and since November, the division has also taken over support services functions for City Hall, and that includes a wide variety of new responsibilities, including um, reception here at City Hall, um, business services, sort of all the copiers and the postage machines and all the things that sort of keep the business humming here, um, parks bookings, bookings for our parks citywide, supplies ordering for various departments. So it's a, it's a significant workload that um, the clerk's office has taken on in addition to their normal clerking duties. Uh, and that's just a sampling of their duties. So um, as far as accomplishments for the last year, um, the city clerk's office implemented the net file system for campaign filing. You may remember the year before we had done the Form 700s. Uh, but this allowed us to expand it to campaign filings for this last uh, um, election. Um, we hired and onboarded a new uh, public records specialist. Is he here? No, he's not here. <laughs> uh, Blake um, uh, conducted the first city, this is huge, the first bi-district council elections, which involved separate ballots, separate sort of outreach uh, to the different um, uh, districts. Um, and included two city ballot measures, Measure B and, and Measure C, which was the uh, ordinance banning uh, flavored tobacco uh, that went into the, in the last election. So that was, that was a big, big effort. Um, they managed the recruitment and selection process for the whole the new Historic Preservation Committee and got that committee seated and they've had their first meeting. Um, and then, of course, seated and oriented a new council, newly elected council member. So some major accomplishments for them. As far as their 2024 projects, a couple of the, the highlights are updating the citywide records retention schedule. Uh, that determines you know, how long we retain records and how um, uh, for each type of record that the city generates. Uh, and they'll uh, be looking at implementing a contract management program. That's something they've been wanting to do for a while to manage our contracts and make sure that we're renewing them and that we're getting them to you uh, on a, uh, a, a planned schedule. 
um, researching options for a citywide enterprise content management system. This may be related to the um, contract management or maybe not. Uh, General Services really is looking for a way to create a long-term solution for uh, the storage and retrieval of important documents. And so that'll be uh, something that she'll be working closely, uh, that the clerk's office will be working closely with, uh, with general services. Um, long range, uh, one of the projects that they're working on when they have the capacity, it's not a, at the, the, the top of their list, but um, they are continuing to um, uh, complete meeting records um, uh, to get those online so that uh, in addition to all of our agendas and, and uh, city council meetings, but that we get all of the meeting records, staff reports, minutes, resolutions online, uh, final ordinances and resolutions, um, and uh, give a, a more complete online record so people don't have to come as often and ask us for public records through you know paper processes. And, uh, so that is on their long range. Uh, the next division is the Community Relations Division. This division has 2.75 FTEs and is headed up by Kelly Hoover, our Community Relations Manager. And you, you know this is one of our um, uh, uh, most amazing uh, divisions uh, that's really gotten uh, a lot of attention, you know, since, especially since the pandemic, but even before then, of really doing a lot for our community. Um, they provide accurate and timely information about meeting events and pro uh, projects, programs, and activities of the city, both in English and now in Spanish. They're making a big effort to get information out in Spanish. Um, they uh, use different forms of technology and media and keep us up to date with all of those uh, different ways that we can reach our, our community members. They encourage par public participation in government and support the Public Engagement Commission. Um, they hold the Lead Galita and other educational programs and participate in our diversity, equity, and inclusion team. There are two members of that group, communication being so huge for us, that participate on our, D our staff internal DEI team. Um, and they do a lot of outreach and education now that is specifically tailored toward reaching the Spanish-speaking community. Um, they hold various events throughout the city, including the state of the city, community events, employee recognition events, and just so many other things. So uh, accomplishments for the last year, of course, we, they uh, launched the newly refreshed city and library websites, which was a huge thing. And so again, you know, any sort of launch like that, you usually expect you know, a, a lot of pain, and there was very little in this launch. And I, so it goes to all of their preparation and planning and and I know this was, I call it a beast of a project, and Kelly nods when I say that, because it really involved every single um, uh, nook and cranny of the city uh, and, and cleaning it up and, and getting it to look nice. So we were really proud of that. Um, they, they launched a Live, Work, Play Galita campaign to kind of generate interest in, in the things that, that are special about Galita. Um, educating the community on the city's November election. Um, the clerk's office puts on the election, but the education about you know what's on the ballot and you know know your districts and you know what is Measure B. That all it was generated out of uh, community relations. So big big effort there. Uh, we held the mayor and council staff appreciation breakfast, the first staff appreciation breakfast. It's something many cities do, and and um, 
you know, with all of us being uh, scattered and having come through a, a really tough time, uh, I can't tell you how much this meant to our employees. So uh, very, very successful. And launched the Coffee and Community um, uh, Cafe Comunidad uh, as, as part of our neighborhood events. And that you'll see more of those. We're going to try to do those in each district uh, with particular focus on engaging the Spanish-speaking community because the first one was in Old Town. And I think that that went really, really well. Um, next slide. So for fiscal year 2024 projects, um, they want to expand the local gift card program, Good Land, Good Shopping. This is a, an ongoing effort to try and um, launch this and make it successful. Um, we're gonna be, they're going to be uh, developing a new Good Land, Good People campaign. You may remember we, we did one of those uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, really uh, helpful to the community. Um, they're going to create a library of evergreen videos, so things like how to use City Assist so that you can click on it and kind of walk you through the City Assist project, but things that, that won't uh, age out and that we can have on the website and um, educate people on, on different things about the city. Um, uh, they'll be doing um, the Goleta Community Center uh, outreach program. Um, that'll be coming from our strategic plan, which is going to be coming to you uh, in April, it was, we were hoping to get it uh, this month, but uh, we'll get it next month. Um, but but a part of that is going to be um, informing the community about what's available and getting them engaged in, in the activities going on at the community center. So there'll be a big part uh, in Kelly's uh, division um, with her staff in, in getting that going and, and keeping that going. Uh, CIP project outreach, we've got huge projects especially going on in Old Town over the next couple of years. So Equal Fowler, San Jose Creek Bike Path, the Community Garden, the Community Center. You know, there's just going to be a lot of activity there. And so it's going to be super important that we're constantly communicating about what's going on with our, with our community during that time. And so that's going to be a big focus for them. Uh, we'll be doing a Spanish lead galita, lidera and uh, Community Academy to get to know and get to know the city day. Um, so we will um, uh, have a participation in, in uh, available in Spanish in the normal program, the 12 week program. And then we will have a special uh, get to know the city day that is uh, specifically tailored toward uh, the needs of the Spanish speaking community um, as um, we're engaging in, and learning what those are. Um, and then the Old Town Holiday Streetlight uh, decor. We're talking about in some way being able to, um, you know, generate um, a, a, a nicer look in Old Town during the holiday period um, uh, for the parade, but also for the, just the shopping season and, and uh, um, to help with that. And then uh, long range, um, uh, they want to explore the feasibility, and this came, I think, out of your strategic planning process of community engagement types of uh, activities and events in each district. Um, and so we'll be talking to you about, um, I think that the example had been, well, we've got the damn dinner in one um, uh, district, and, and are there events that we're going to have in other districts that are, that are similar? So um, we'll be exploring sort of what the opportunities are for that. And then finally, the last division uh, of the three is uh, our Human Resources and Risk Management Division. And we have, um, I'm going to ask Jennifer Jennings to, to wave. Jennifer Jennings is our new Human Resources and Risk Manager. Jen and I worked together many years ago, uh, 
and I was extremely happy that she came on board uh, with the city of Goleta. We're very lucky to have her. Um, so she has a staff of 3.5 FTEs in human resources. They oversee all of the traditional human resources functions, recruitment, classification and compensation, employee training, health and welfare benefit programs for our employees, um, employee relations and compliance with our employment laws and collective bargaining agreements, among other things. Um, the division assists me in supporting the DEI initiative, including helping with, you know, selecting the consultant, they're actively involved with that, but also um, in um, coordinating our staff diversity, equity, and inclusion team, and the ad hoc committee helping me to coordinate those. Um, and then on the risk management side, they oversee our employee um, safety um, program as well as workers' compensation, and then just generally our general liability coverage and our um, liability avoidance and insurance for rights-of-way facilities, vehicles, and assets, all of the things that, that we own, making sure that we're fully insured and, and uh, uh, avoiding liability in those areas. So uh, big scope of uh, area of work. Um, for accomplishments for last year, um, we present um, this year, excuse me, we presented a comprehensive revision to the city's personnel rules uh, to the city council last month. We led uh, an intensive recruitment area uh, effort. Last um, year, we came to you and we said, boy, we had an unprecedented recruitment effort uh, in this last year, and, and we really noted it as something that was out of the ordinary. We blew that out of the water this year. So 30 new regular employee, regular part-time, regular full-time and part-time employees and three new hourly employees between July 2022 and March 2023. Huge recruitment effort. Um, we issued an RFP, and including filling some of those engineering jobs that we've had such a hard time. We have actually got some great new hires in some of those positions, so we've really made some progress there. Um, we uh, issued an RFP, as, as we uh, said with the general services, I mean the general government division, uh, issued an RFP for um, selection for a professional to support our DEI initiative. And we've contracted with diversity jobs, so we are now um, putting our postings out on the diversity jobs website in order to attract uh, diverse populations. They have, and they then you know, project that out and. Uh, attempt to reach people that we might not reach with our traditional um, uh, exposure. And then we've also joined GARE recently, which is the uh, Government Alliance for Race and Equity and uh, provides a lot of tools for us and, and a, a network uh, that we can, uh, we can access. Next slide, please. So for fiscal year 2024, um, one of the things we'll be doing and have already started doing is talking to um, planning an environmental review um, about their department organization and recommending organizational changes. Um, and uh, um, as uh, uh, Mr. Nisbet said, he will be coming to you and, and making some uh, personnel recommendations, uh, and we'll get to that when we get to the budget. Um, we have a complete rollout of the, completing our rollout of our uh, insight onboard and perform management training. Um, uh, this is our uh, performance management, por performance reviews for employees. Um, developing uh, and rolling out our management training program. We want to have a, a set base training program for our managers and supervisors. 
and uh, redesigning the human resources website to be a better resources for job seekers and current employees um, and just make it more sort of visually uh, attractive and a, a better resource for everyone who's either working for the city or thinking about working for the city. And that is the end of those three. If there are any questions about those three divisions. Thank you. Councilmember Kiriako. Yeah, a, a question and then an observation. Uh, the, qu the question, um, actually maybe there's two questions. Uh, the first one is, do we send any kind of a regularized um, email to employees like weekly, bi-weekly, uh, telling them about job openings at the city? So if they're not thinking to look at the website, you know, the email hits their desk and then, oh, I hadn't thought about that job, but now that I think about it, that might be a good fit for me. Like, do we do anything like that? Ms. Jennings just actually came to me with that idea last week and said it's something that she's implementing. So uh, we definitely are going to do that, and we may have some more ideas around ways that we can leverage our employees as sort of in-house recruiters, you know, and, and our council members. Uh, the, the next question, I think I know the answer to this, but have we completed the project where now if someone calls the city, like the front desk or somewhere, and they don't, they don't speak English if they speak Spanish, we have the directory of employees for whoever that answers the phone, like they know, okay, I can transfer them to this person, and if they answer, this person speaks Spanish. Do we have that in place now? We do, we have that in place. Um, we, of course, we also have our, um, in community relations now, we have our um, Spanish engagement specialist, and so he's there, but we also have a list of all of our employees. Um, we've now, in the last, year and a half split the into to really find those employees with the highest level of Spanish um, ability um, and sort of distinguish them we pay them a little bit extra and then they're available to do you know all sorts of higher level work and it recognizes them for that uh, recently we put a kiosk down in the front so that um, our receptionist uh, the um, can go and actually connect somebody visually with um, someone who speaks Spanish through Teams, our Teams program, uh, to assist them to feel more like in person and less like just over the telephone. So um, that's that's what we're rolling out and testing right now. Okay, and then an observation. I think you shorted yourself an accomplishment. Didn't you work with Anderson and Associates to hire a new city manager? <laughs> I took credit for that. It's in there. <laughs> okay, as long as somebody gets credit. Uh, so just a, a couple other things. So that was HR. I just want to go back to a couple of other things. The uh, Community Relations Division, um, I, I really want to, um, I really want to call out how, how well done the Coffee and Community, Cafe Comunidad um, event was. And for the future, just a suggestion, perhaps you could make it a noticed council meeting when you have the next one so that you could have um, no Brown Act considerations if, if council members from other districts want to come and see how it's done and what's happening. So just a, an observation there. And then for the long-range project of, you know, city-sponsored community engagement activities and events, you know, thinking along the lines of, you know, you have the, the you know, the dam dinner, uh, maybe there's community partners that we could find. The, um, the Common Table Foundation would be one. Um, I'm not sure if the Old Town Business Association is is starting to kind of get more active again, but maybe we could talk to them, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and just a, a few others that maybe we, we could look to um, engage with on, on a potential partnership for those. And then, I think I have any other ones. 
No, that's it. Thank you. Councilmember Kasdan. Okay, so uh, a couple of things. First, uh, the outreach. Uh, I, re I remember when uh, I, I worked for the government in D.C., and we would send, we were, our, we were program examiners. And so for job fairs and so forth, they would send some of us to historical black colleges and things like that as a recru for recruitment. Now, you know, we don't have enough jobs at any one time to justify that, but I wonder if we could coordinate maybe with the county and others for, for when some sort of event comes up to send uh, council members or whoever would be good to go there and that person would sort of collect, you know, sell the virtues for all of our government agencies because everyone, I'm sure, is looking for good employees. So think about that. Uh, and uh, second, uh, oh, as far as the uh, district level events, I forgot how you phrased it. I, yeah, that, that really like the idea of sort of block parties or, I, I, you know, the street festivals that you'd see in, in I remember from Ecuador, the street festivals and, oh, those are great. I look, you know, I, I, that would be awesome. And, um, sorry, nostalgic. Uh, and, um, oh, yeah, one thing also to think about for community relations. I, to avoid having people get some sort of uh, kind of email fatigue for all the things that are kind of citywide, I wonder if it's worth exploring district level group, uh, district I know we have subdivision right now based on topics, so that people sign up for particular topics that they're interested in, but there might be uh, benefits in having district level uh, sign-ups, so that people might only get stuff relevant for certain sorts of activities, stuff that's District 1 or District 3 or whatever it is, as a way to ensure that we don't get email fatigue from the various things. Okay, that's it. Thank you. And by the way, great rollout, great website, and uh, and uh, good work. Councilmember uh, Reyes Martin. Thank you. Yeah, I'll start with yeah, excellent work. Um, I I receive text messages, emails, like, and I enjoy getting all of it. Um, but yeah, I think it's. I don't know if there's a way at some point to even survey. You know, is it too much is it um, but I know that it's really easy for people to kind of edit down how much they get to so um, if you haven't heard of that being an issue <laughs> maybe it's not um, but one thing I wanted to bring up that was spurred by the old town holiday lighting um, was you know I'd really encourage us to m ensure that we're intentionally being inclusive of other faiths when we do things like that um, and you know maybe that's not just in Old Town. Maybe we can look at other places where we could um, celebrate different um, cultures or heritages at different times of the year. Um, and also, I think related to that, I know we have a great uh, banner program, and you know how we utilize the banners. I don't know if in the past there's been any discussion about um, whether it's the banners or in other ways, but celebrating things like Black History Month, like. Pride Month in June, Hispanic Heritage Month, um, but some kind of calendar of 
uh, ways throughout the year and throughout the city that we might really celebrate the diverse um, community that we have. Um, so I wanted to suggest that. Great ideas. Councilman or Mayor Pro Tem Richards. Thank you. Uh, yeah, again, thank you. That's a great review of all the accomplishments of all of our different divisions. So thank you all of our staff for all the work that went into doing all of that. Um, with regard to, uh, let's see, for, I had a couple questions uh, with regard to the city clerk's office. Well, one comment, I really appreciate the, the long-term work effort there to add uh, resolutions and ordinances uh, to the information that's already on there. I, you know, I, I know we currently have uh, agendas, uh, minutes, and staff reports, but having a link to the final outcome of what those ordinances and, and final resolutions are, I think will be uh, a great service to the community and, and increase our transparency. Um, um, another question that came up, and I don't think, I, I'm not sure that this is for the city clerk's office, but um, during our, I've heard it on more than one occasion, some concerns about uh, one of our commissions, the Public Tree Advisory Commission, um, in terms of it's just, level of functioning and, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, we, we heard some feedback during uh, our, our interviews and I've heard some other feedback uh, separately, but I'm not sure how or, or who that would be to follow up with that, you know, just making sure that, that, that the, the, the guidance is clear, the, 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 the role of the um, uh, commission members is, is clear and anything that we can do to kind of um, improve the functioning of that group, I'll say. So again, and I'm not sure that it is the city clerk's office or who that would be, but I just want to make sure it's on our agenda. Yeah, thank you. And, and, and you know, I'm, I was aware of that. I recently checked in with um, some of our staff to that committee and they said, boy, they really feel like things are going in a good direction, but I will check in with them again. Um, but I, I had heard that um, early on and then uh, had heard that things were, were much clearer now, and that and that uh, things felt a lot better, at least from the staff point of view. But I will, I'll look a little bit more into that. Okay, great. And and you know, I acknowledge yeah, maybe things are getting better now. So that that, that would be wonderful. Um, and then uh, with regard to the uh, community relations, well, I just want to say that chart with all of the different um, uh, contacts of website and. Uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all of that. I mean, how impressive. I mean, that's just like so amazing to see that all of those numbers and all of those contacts that we're having with our community. And I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate that. I, I think that's a great testament to the the outreach that we're doing with our community. So thank you. Um, and then I did have one question with regard to the gift card program. Um, I. And, and this th doesn't have to be for today, but you know, at some point, I'd like to get some information about how you know how that's going, how utilized is that, um, you know, some information about number of people participating in that program, et cetera. So that, that was it. Nothing more than that, but just I'm curious. So and that's all I have. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Well, um, here again, it's amazing to look at all the accomplishments. Um, these three departments have uh, uh, gathered and, and, and were able to accomplish. I, I will say something for um, a city clerk's office. Um, <laughs> they also, something that's not written in here, they also kept, well, me mainly, uh, maybe others, calm during all of our MS Teams webinar 
Zoom to figure out what are we doing today? What, what, how do we do that? Why is, my, why is my computer crashed again? I mean, you kept us all like, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. So all of you were great. And, it's, and you just, I can't speak highly enough about that. Makes such a big difference <laughs> when we're already trying to do a program or do a, a meeting and, um, and you keeping us calm. So, and, 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 and you looked at your list of all that you accomplished and what you had to do. It, it was just amazing. So thank you. Um, thank you to um, Kelly Hoover and your team in public relations. Uh, just, you know, the, I was worried about the website. I know I kept thinking, oh, I think you need to bring in more specialists. I mean, it seemed like a massive job. Maybe because I couldn't even imagine trying to do that. <laughs> so, um, but it, it's I've I've received nothing but praise. I mean, people. But if people do, I do have a question. If people do have a comment, do they know where to go for that comment? Um, you know that you know maybe uh, uh, tweak this here. I mean, is it easy for them to get to you and uh, let you know? I see. Yes. Okay. I mean, you don't have to answer it, but just there is there is a way. Thank you. And um, let's see. And yes, the gift card program almost seems like it needs one person just to deal with that. I mean, that seems like a massive job. And then Jennifer, I really look forward to getting to know you. I don't really, I haven't worked with you. So um, welcome to our team. And um, I have nothing to add. <laughs> no. um, and I have nothing um, to add. I think my colleagues have all came up with some really excellent ideas. Um, and I would support that. But um, if we have any public comment, this would be a, probably a good time. If anyone within the Zoom webinar app wishes to speak to this item, please use the raised hand icon and I will call on you. I am seeing none. No. Oh. Okay. Well, I hope people are watching us, <laughs> at least. <laughs> Is that it? Nope. No. No. General services oh, and whoops. Services. Thank you. <laughs> I don't have the agenda in front of me, so yes, please. And that takes us to item A2, General Services Department Priority Setting Workshop, Fiscal Year 2023-24 Annual Work Program. I knew that was could not possibly be true that we were done at 6.26. No. Okay. Good evening, Madam Mayor, Good Council evening. Members. Good evening. I do this so infrequently, it takes me forever to set up. Sorry about that. <laughs> so my name is Matt Four. I'm the General Services Director. It's a pleasure to speak to you this evening. Um, General Services is your most 
recently created department. We were created back in July of 2021 by the City Council. We effectively took shape, though, on January 18th of 2022. That was my first day. Um, and so this is our illustrious 14th month in existence. So it's um, great to speak with you. So very similar to the city manager's office, we'll follow uh, the same progression. We'll uh, talk to you tonight about the roles and responsibilities of the department, uh, what, what we accomplished uh, this current fiscal year, what we're planning for next year by way of day-to-day -day work as well as special projects. And then we'll be seeking uh, your input on uh, priorities as we've presented them. Um, and so again, we'll, uh, we'll take your questions and public comment and then um, um, be looking for your concurrence. So uh, <laughs> by way of background, as I said, general services is um, a little bit over a year old. Um, and just for some context for those who are watching, general services was created um, for a couple different purposes. One was to um, consolidate tasks that were generally being performed by others throughout the organization. So we're really a consolidation department. Um, and we fall into a couple of different areas. Uh, one is facilities management, all aspects of facilities management. That was a function that was primarily uh, conducted by public works. So from a facilities management standpoint, um, from property acquisition for rights of way and other um, you know, projects and things and disposing of property and surplusing, to maintaining facilities, maintaining vertical facilities primarily, um, like buildings and structures, leaving public works to really focus on horizontal construction like roads and rights of way and things like that. Um, from maintenance to capital projects on those, leasing and tenant relations, one of the things that um, you know, General Services has always uh, worked with tenants at a number of city facilities, such as um, you know the Stowe House and the Historic Railroad Museum. Our biggest uh, acquisition this current year was taking on the tenants at the Goleta Community Center that the city um, took uh, management of on January 1st. That was a big effort for us. And then also security. Uh, fleet management is our other, and I'll go into more of these in greater detail, but we have a fleet of about 30 vehicles, and so maintaining those, acquiring new vehicles for staff, replacing existing vehicles uh, is also one of our main functions. Information technology, the city has a, a third-party contractor synergy, and we oversee their contract, and we work with them on strategic planning and managing those assets. And as always, cybersecurity is our number one concern when it comes to IT. And then finally, purchasing and procurement. Uh, that was a function that was kind of split between two groups, primarily finance, but also um, the city attorney's office. And we still work with the city attorney's office, but the day-to-day -day oversight of citywide procurement and purchasing now goes with general services. And so um, we are now uh, full, we have now fully taken on that function, which was something that I told you we were planning to do as soon as we hired somebody last year, and so we've done that, and, uh, and we're now fully into the purchasing and procurement realm. So this year, uh, as of uh, 
fiscal year 2023, we have five and three quarter FTEs, and you can see them here. We have the director position, uh, the management assistant, uh, Monique Estrada, who's wonderful, who's come over to our department. You all know Monique. She's uh, just celebrated 15 years. She's just been incredibly helpful. Um, the two positions we hired uh, in this uh, current fiscal year, one is the uh, senior management analyst, um, Christy Velasquez. She's now overseeing our purchasing and procurement functions. And then our management analyst, Cassidy Lair, uh, who's working primarily in facilities and IT these days. Um, up until a couple weeks ago, we had a facilities maintenance technician. Uh, that's vacant. We're actively recruiting that. In fact, that position opened today, so we're looking to fill that position as soon as we can. And then the newest position that is actively being recruited is a new position. That's a maintenance worker one position. It's embedded physically at the Goleta Community Center, but it reports to general services. So you saw that position on last year's org chart, but we didn't pull the trigger on the recruitment until January once we took over management. Uh, last year and, and even further back in July uh, of 2021, what was described to the city council was that all the current positions that were going to occupy the newly created general services department would be positions from that existing positions from around the city. And we would come back to you once we had our legs under us with additional staffing needs. So we said, don't know yet, but we're going to reserve that right and come back. I'm proposing one additional position for this year, and that's a fleet and facilities maintenance coordinator to, to take care of the day-to-day -day planning, resourcing, dispatching of all of the maintenance work on facilities as well as fleet. It's a lot. We have a big backlog of unaddressed maintenance needs, and now we have positions that, you know, we have a facilities maintenance technician, we have an embedded, uh, maintenance worker at GCC. We have part-time general services aides for fleet. So we have a number of positions, and I need somebody who's prioritizing work, planning it, specking it, and dispatching the appropriate resources. So that's the position that we're, that we're proposing. So it's been a busy year, um, and, and I'm pleased to say that the things that we said that we would accomplish in our work plan this current fiscal year, we're, we've either accomplished it or we're well on our way. And so, as I mentioned, we hired two positions, so all functions now are, are operating under general services. Our, our full mission, uh, we are completing it. Uh, the previous uh, presentation talked about onboarding 30 positions you know, 30 recruitments, but that also included a uh, several new positions that had never been uh, created. So general services found workspace for seven of those. We also relocated the entire finance department, the sustainability division, and the housing staff to the second floor of City Hall. So if, you have, if you've been up to the second floor of City Hall, you've see, you see now that it looks quite a bit different than last year. We, we surplused and got rid of all the um, Items that we that you know that were broken and we didn't need anymore. We made workspace for all those positions that we moved. We've done the cabling, um, you know, all kinds of things for that. The other uh, two bullet points: implementing the asset management software and the condition, the facility condition assessment. This is this these two things are the most important things that we've done this year. This was something I talked at length about at the last 
a work plan for the, you know, the current fiscal year. This is really the anchor and the foundation for general services. We have about 140,000 square feet of facility space with a lot of building systems in, in varying conditions. The last, uh, for the most part, the last reserve studies and facility condition assessments that the city conducted were about 12 years ago. So we're doing that this fiscal year. That kicks off next week, actually. So every square foot of city, city real estate, or, or I should say physical facilities, will now be evaluated. Um, that's going to give us a, a tremendous planning tool for acute repairs that need to be made, as well as for budgeting and adequately putting away for reserves and, and timely replacement of critical um, building systems. So that's huge. The facility condition assessment then is going to be the primary data layer that goes into an asset management software program that, that we also committed to bringing on this year. And so we, we have procured that and we are implementing that software um, application. That will, again, give us all kinds of tools for budgeting, tracking work orders, dispatching, tracking costs, and, and really this next year is going to be characterized by swinging the pendulum from reactive maintenance to planned maintenance. That's the primary goal of the facilities component of general services, is we are, we are really putting a lot of effort into uh, moving the ratio from reaction to planned. And um, so you'll see a lot in that regard. The other... Uh, big lift for us had to do with uh, on the capital front. The first was we secured the a grant extension from FEMA for the seismic retrofit project at the community center. That was very difficult, <laughs> but we, uh, with a lot of help from, um, you know, our congressional and um, other representatives, we were able to, to get that extension to May of 2024. Uh, and uh, the contract was physically signed for that work two days ago, and we are um, very close to uh, the final building permits, and then we're going to get underway. And so that's, that's a big one. That will, as you're aware, that will put the uh, dining room and the auditorium back into use. So that's going to be a big benefit to the city as well as to Old Town. Uh, the other... Uh, win for us was we uh, secured community project funding for the ADA improvements at the Goleta Community Center. We had put in a pre-application uh, earlier in the year. We, we sh got shortlisted, and then they said, okay, give us your final project. So we were able to do that. Um, that project's a ways off, but we're getting, well, we're making very good progress. That's going to... Um, uh, make substantial ADA improvements to Papa Travel. The big one is the remodel of the restrooms. Um, and then also replacement of the sewer lateral that serves the Goleta Community Center, which is in dire need of replacement. Other things, uh, and this is a continuing thing, we, we put a lot of effort into immediate repairs, the things that really needed to be repaired from city facilities. We replaced four of the HVAC units on City Hall. Uh, this year, and um, we have two more going um, in a couple of months. The other thing was, 
the, the theme of reaction to plan, we also got uh, maintenance contracts in place for city facilities for a number of things. One is HVAC maintenance, just routine, ma you know, routine maintenance um, that extends the life of the um, systems that we have. We also got a contract in place for door maintenance, exterior door maintenance at all facilities because Murphy's Law, if you're a facilities manager, exterior doors stop working at 4.45 on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> and so now we have somebody who's truing those up and looking at hardware and making sure that our doors work. Um, beyond City Hall, we tented and fumigated the historic railroad museum for termi termites and dry rot. We upgraded the fire safety systems at City Hall and the library. And we, we took on and responded to about 300 uh, GovAssist tickets, or at least we're tracking that to do about 300 for this fiscal year. Finally, on the fleet management front, we brought to council and, and you, uh, you adopted formally a green fleet policy for the management and replacement of the city fleet. And with your approval, we negotiated and purchased eight new replacement vehicles for the city fleet. That's big. You know, we only had 25 at the time. Um, and so to, you know, to negotiate, procure, and upfit about a third of our existing fleet was a, a big lift. And I, I will say, I certainly did not do this. This was my staff. This was the, the phenomenal staff that, that we hired. So uh, Monique, Cassidy, Christy, and John Kerrigan, who's no longer here, um, we got a lot done this year, and, and in large part because of them. All right, so turning to FY24, um, the day-to-day -day responsibilities. At its core, one of the core missions of general services is asset management, whether it's vehicles, facilities, IT equipment, whatever it is. We have a lot of physical items in our charge, and our job is to get them to their useful life. We get them to their useful life. Well, how do we do that? We, we maintain them through appropriate preventative maintenance. And so planning, forecasting, budgeting, uh, for their eventual replacement, finally surplusing those retired assets. That's the life cycle of, of asset management, and that's a lot of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. On the information technology front, cybersecurity is our number one priority, as I mentioned. Um, we are making every year, every single year, we will, we will want to be making a cybersecurity enhancement to our, our network security. I can assure you we're doing that. I'm not gonna go into detail as to what that is, but we have another uh, substantial upgrade plan for FY24. Um, strategic planning, we, we have an existing IT strategic plan. It's coming to an end. We're ticking off those items and it's time to do another one. So that will be um, another thing that we're working on. And then also vendor oversight. We, as I said, we have a contract with Synergy and we uh, work with them and, and administer their contracts. On the purchasing and procurement side, and this is where I'm gonna blend a little bit into projects, um, the purchasing and procurement function is in some ways centralized while leaving the actual purchasing actions on a decentralized basis to departments. So our job is to set up procedures, set up templates, set up systems and train that departments can use so that we're, we are 
so that every user of our procurement system does things in a systematic, consistent way, and we end up with a consistent result. And so on a day-to-day -day basis, our purchasing manager is reviewing and approving requisitions and contracts, making sure that they are appropriate, that we're following not only the municipal code, but also state and even federal guidelines, uh, providing guidance and training, technical guidance and training to city staff, also auditing procurement actions. That's something that it's not punitive, but it informs our training regime. Like we're gonna, you know, we're setting up systems and the way you know whether your systems and training are effective is you audit certain things. And if it's not being followed, that's a feedback loop back into our training uh, program. So that's one of the functions. And then finally record management on the procurement side. And as Ms. Schmidt mentioned, um, both from a content management system as well as a records management system. Might be two systems, might be one integrated one, but that will be, that will be one of the um, core tasks for the purchasing manager this next year is to help scope, evaluate, and, and implement that system along with the clerk's office. And then there's the administrative function of you know, council and subcommittee work, budget development, and personnel, things that I don't think I need to go into a lot of detail with. So that's the day-to-day. -day. You know, that's going to take up most of what we're doing. Um, and then from a project standpoint, in furtherance of those day-to-day uh, -day goals, we have a, a couple of things planned. On the administrative side, if council concurs and approves our requested position, then just like this year, we'll be hiring, onboarding, and training a new, uh, new staff member and getting them set up to be successful. Uh, another item that was council direction was to develop a public engagement process to identify options for the triangle property out here outside of city hall and so we'll be putting together a a process a public engagement process to look at the possibilities the constraints and the options related to that um, that piece of property and then bringing something back to council for consideration on the facilities management side uh, one of the new additions to the budget document that you'll see is that General Services has scoped about eight capital projects, not for immediate funding, uh, but uh, capital projects related to the city facilities that we own. And so in the immediate term, and, and so, you know, we can't take on eight capital projects at one time in one fiscal year, but we want those projects created and we want to start scoping some, some of them so we can scope and get conceptual plans for those because once they're shovel ready, mm -hmm. we can go after grant funding and, and we're nimble. So as funding sources come up, we can jump on them. A lot of times it's difficult because a funding source will come our way and then we say, oh, hurry up, what should we do? We don't wanna do it that way. And so we wanna scope, get conceptual plans and then, uh, and then match it up with available funding sources. So, so in, in that vein, uh, we're proposing to develop a scope plan and bid documents for the City Hall remodel project. That's the build out of the second floor. That's something that we've been working on for quite a while. Um, it will um, add offices for supervisors and managers who need confidential space. It will add confidential space for the human resources department that every conversation just about they have needs to be confidential. Um, 
And so that's something that we're, uh, we're proposing for this year. Um, the second one is, again, this is a scoping, is we want to scope what, an AD, what ADA improvements in a building refresh would look like for the Goleta Library. Um, that's to make it uh, shovel-ready primarily. And, and really, it's because we don't know. I mean, we've, we've had some ADA studies, but we haven't had a full in-depth investigation of that building to see what all needs to be done. And whenever we make improvements to a physical structure, we want to make sure that the ADA improvements are, are going hand-in-hand -hand with that. Uh, the third is developing a scope and budget for critical repairs to the historic railroad museum. We want to prioritize what needs to be done there. It's not the full build out, but I, you know, we want to get our arms around what are the acute things. We've we've done the tenting for termites and dry rot. What are the acute things that we now need to turn our attention to? That'll always be a phased, um, you know, that's going to be a phased project, um, but we want to get started on that. And then finally. Um, we put in an application and we're shortlisted for CDBG funding related to the community center to evaluate the risk of tree root intrusion to the building foundation and then to develop options for mitigating that. And so there are a number of beautiful big trees in and around the community center. Some of the, you know, one big Australian willow in the courtyard, other ones uh, on the front and sides. Um, and so we want to team up an arborist with a structural engineer and say, can you just tell us what's going on here and what the options are for, um, for doing that? that? We need to take care of this issue first before we do much more on the building because you know, the foundation is um, foundational, I guess you could say, <laughs> to the future. On the fleet management side, we'd like to develop a, a driver training policy and make sure that we're having unified driver training. Uh, you know, we have, um, everybody has a driver's license. <laughs> everybody, you know, most city employees are at some point using uh, city vehicles. We want to formalize the driver training a little bit um, and make sure that, um, that our drivers are getting some instruction on proper use and, um, uh, you know, safety precautions related to the city fleet. And then on the procurement side, this is something that I had brought to council last year, something we committed to, which was uh, hiring a procurement consultant to help us develop a system related to procurement, to give tools and standard templates for, uh, you know, for requisitioning a product or a service for uh, quick quotes, informal quotes, all the way up to the formal bidding process. Um, and again, that's so that any staff member can work their way through a decision tree or through a decision wizard and then say, oh, you want to do this? This is what lines up with the code. This is the template you, you, you use so that we have um, a predictable result. Uh, we'll also be um, providing two training modules to city staff. And then on the purchasing front, uh, we are proposing two more vehicle purchases for this coming fiscal year. These are not new. This is not an expansion to the city fleet. This is to replace uh, two of our aging fleet. And um, when we brought the green vehicle policy to you, I mentioned that about half of our 
well, at the time, about half of our fleet was about seven or eight years old. The other averaged about 17 years old. And so, um, so we're starting that replacement uh, regime, and we'll be surplusing the old ones. And then on the long-range uh, items, on the IT front, you know, we have a lot of systems, and I think, Mayor, you'd mentioned, is it Teams, is it Zoom, is it whatever? <laughs> the same thing with files, with IT files. We have a number of directories. We were using, uh, one, when COVID hit, Synergy had set up a, a repository for files to allow for remote work. That got pretty shaky as we went on. As we loaded that up, it, um, it really couldn't handle it. So we transitioned to something called Ignite, much more stable. But we also have Teams, and that's a file repository. And so we want to develop a system of where are we keeping files? Is it Teams? Is it Ignite? There are a lot of things we need to think through, like records retention, being able to quickly respond to Public Records Act requests. We can't have things all over the place. So we need to do it strategically. We need to think it through. But that's something that as we have capacity, we, we want to start tackling. Um, the second item, this is a carryover. We really want to put into place an IT governance structure to, again, from a cybersecurity standpoint, from a file management standpoint, from a prioritization of what are we going to tackle year over year on the IT front, you know, which enterprise applications meet our needs, which ones which ones are we going to further lever leverage versus getting a new application? Um, so having a, a, a forum and a format to, adju to adjudicate those decisions and then really leverage the existing enterprise applications that we have, but also policy development. You know, things like the, the how are we treating contractors that work for the city but aren't fully part of the city? You know, and what are the protocols in place for cybersecurity and things like that? And then finally, uh, as capacity allows, we want to begin investigating options and opportunities for a pooled vehicle program for city fleets. You know, we have, <coughs> what we're observing is we have some vehicles that are relatively new, that have high mileage, and it makes sense because they are street maintenance vehicles or they are parks and open space vehicles and they're driving around all the time. High mileage, fairly short. We have other vehicles that are 17 years old that have less than 100,000 miles. They're not being driven all that much. But with a pooled vehicle model, you can make a reservation, and so it gets to right-sizing the, the city's vehicle fleet. Um, and so that's something that we want to take on. And it's an automated system, and it works you know, beautifully. So. And then as Ms. Schmidt said, you know, we, we as staff looked at how Measure B might impact uh, general services and other departments have done the same thing. We identified where council priorities intersect with uh, Measure B funding, and we noted a couple. One is on critical facility maintenance and assets. One of council priorities was to build appropriate reserves for both capital maintenance as well as capital replacement um, of, you know, of city assets. Um, the second is in new capital improvement projects. And just as an example, there are two strategic planning and visioning processes ongoing at the moment. One is related to the library and the other related to the community center. 
So those visioning and those strategic planning process, processes may very well result in new capital projects for new enhancements. And then finally, with, as with many departments, and especially, you know, including those that provide internal services, Measure B funding, and as we expand and do more with more revenue, there could potentially be impacts on, on the programs under general services. Certainly on the purchasing and procurement side, um, Measure B funding may very well necessitate uh, further expenditures and program development on the IT front, certainly on the fleet, and absolutely on the facilities uh, dimension. So, um, as Ms. Schmidt said, the budget for FY24 will include partial year allocations for that, and then the next year you'll really see uh, programmed funding as well as a, a, a deeper discussion on the impacts to departments, including general services. And that's the end of my speaking, so I'd be glad to take any questions you might have. Mayor Pacham Richards. Thank you. Uh, well, first, I just want to say Congratulations. I mean, <laughs> what an accomplishment. I mean, you've been here less than a year. You know, you, you've, you've had to get a whole department up and running, and, and you've already listed accomplishments from that. So good job. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, and I have to say, it's reassuring to know that our assets and our facilities and our buildings are being looked after and, and, are, um, and are, you know, it, there's a plan for that. So that, 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 that's very reassuring. Um, I, I do have to ask with regard to the eight uh, new vehicles that were purchased under our new policy, if any of them were electric vehicles or how many of them were? <laughs> there were. So we purchased eight and four of, I do it by process of elimination, four of them were the utility body trucks for, for street maintenance. Those are, that was the subset. But the other ones were either hybrids or plug-in hybrids. Um, which will allow us to uh, bridge the gap between where we are today and we're waiting for the EV charging stations to go in. So they're plug-in hybrids. They allow us to run on conventional engines until we have EV charging infrastructure, then we plug in. Okay. Well, good. And I know that, we're, that you said we'll be purchasing more, and, and I understand that we do have a, a, a rubric to go follow that if, if, if we don't have, a, if there aren't available uh, um, vehicles that are electric that are appropriate, then then we look elsewhere. But to the extent that we can look at all EV, then that's great, Absolutely. and I'm, I'm really happy to know that, that we've done that. Um, with regard to the priorities, of, um, first of all, the, 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 the work that's being done on some of our, our, our facilities, uh, for example, the community center, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm so happy to see that moving forward, not only the seismic, but the ADA that you mentioned, the, the plumbing, uh, uh, and, and the foundation issues, all of that, I'm so happy to see that moving forward. I, I support the ADA improvements at the library that you had mentioned, as well as the building repairs for the railroad museum, so that, that I know that that is much needed, and um, I think there was someone here earlier who's left, but may have been interested in speaking to that. Um, and then, um, with regard to the railroad, I did also want to just say that I, I, I don't know if any of the improvements that you're looking at would involve external um, uh, improvements, but just to be uh, aware and cognizant of the historic nature of that facility so that anything that we do is, is within the character of that property. And that's all I have, so thank you very much. Thank you.
Councilmember Townsend. Thank you. Uh, so a couple of, uh, well, some questions and such. One is, I know we don't do a lot of travel, but I was wondering if, let's say with frequent flyer miles, are those captured? Do we capture them as part of our, when, when um, Dawn or whoever is booking a flight, if there's some official flight that people are taking, is it somehow captured for the city? Madam Mayor, Councilmember Kazan, I'm not aware of that. I'll need to get back to you on that. I, General Services doesn't oversee travel. Oh, okay. um, so can I get back to you on yeah, that Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. I mean, just not just council travel, but if mm -hmm. anyone goes on anywhere, ideally we would, if for official business, it would be the city's frequent flyer miles. Okay. Um, second, I was curious, so more and more people are working from home now obviously, and sometimes they're going to be using official uh, computers from that are provided, but oftentimes, such as me right now, <laughs> they're using their personal computers. And it might be a good investment to provide uh, for security, uh, computer security for people, for their home computers too you know, to have one subscription to give everyone who a some sort of, um, you know, virus blockers and so forth in case so that they don't contaminate the whole network. Madam Mayor, Councilmember Kavs, and I'll tell you some good news on that front. Okay. Uh, you know, one of the things that's been a, a big priority for everybody, I wouldn't say just general services, but since IT is under us, the big push of getting everybody truly mobile. And so, you know, we have about 115, 120 employees or something. We're down to about four or five staff who are pending receipt of a laptop. It's a city-issued laptop. That's an important point. And so I think for, um, now cybersecurity is important on the personal front as well as on the business front. I totally agree with you. I can speak to the, to the business front that we, we have a cadre of cybersecurity protections on city devices now that are in the hands of, of every city employee who might be doing work remotely from home or elsewhere or anywhere. And so that's a, that's a big deal because when we started, when I came to you last year, I think we were 60, 60 or so, 60 or 70. So, so to Synergy's credit, they have, de they have procured, imaged, and deployed a, a you know, multitude of laptops to get those into staff's hands, which, which is very good for our cyber posture. It is, but it doesn't negate the same, the observation that I had, because sure. even if somebody has a laptop for work, they're still going to be answering emails and doing things on their personal email, uh, mm -hmm. laptop, let's say. Oh, absolutely. And I didn't mean, because uh, I said it's very important. There are, you know, some cities that, and I, I can check on this, there are some cities through their exclusive providers, for example, will offer, you know, employee incentives for various software products. We can certainly add that to our, to our scope. 
you went and talked about our, our oversight process and on city facilities and so forth. And I was curious, I know that there's a um, ongoing, or I don't know if it's ongoing, but at least starting that initiative on uh, Stowe House and Lake Los Carneros. And I, I assume, having talked to you, mm -hmm. that you're involved in that. I just wanted to, you know, you might want to talk about how you'll be supporting the, the work that's done there and so forth to make sure it works out well? Absolutely. You know, George Thompson is really in the lead of that master planning process, but we've been having, at his, you know, with his leadership, I've been a, a participant, but with his leadership, we've had meetings with numerous stakeholders, including the tenants of city properties along that corridor, the Historic Society and the Railroad Museum. Um, another, you know, city asset of Stogrove Park and the caretaker unit there. So yes, I've been involved. We'll continue to be involved in that. That's great. And last one, do we have ever figured out, I mean, part of the value of your department is how it's freed up uh, work, the workload from other departments that now we've centralized all these responsibilities and let's say public works, for example, is no longer having to do all of that, uh, the work that they've done before. Have we ever tried to figure out or have they ever described what the impacts are for them, how, how much um, it's freed up and, and, and how consequential it's been in the other departments? Uh, anecdotally, yes. Uh, I, you know, we don't have it down to an FTE analysis. I, I think I would defer to Mr. Ebeling for that, you know, for the facilities. But I can say that anecdotally he has said, taking the seismic project and the ADA project off our hands, and to be fair, he's still giving me support with one of his associate engineers. But that's been a big, big relief, you know, is what he's told us. On the fleet maintenance side, um, I hear a lot from the public works folks who are driving those vehicles that they don't have to maintain their own vehicles anymore. They're not running them to mechanics. They're not out of a vehicle. So having us just, you know, our motto is you show up to work and we'll have a vehicle there for you to use. Um, and that seems to be working really well. So I'd say an anecdotally, yes, but I don't have any hard data. And I, and I would be curious what Mr. Ebeling says. Okay, well that's, and I assume elsewhere too, contract management and all the rest is something some of those were big workload items that now you've taken off their their shoulders and, and systematized and so forth and so okay. That's it. Okay. Councilmember Reyes Martin. Thank you. I had a couple of questions around um, cybersecurity and to Councilmember Kazan's point, I think that I'm really glad to hear that most employees have a laptop. I think that is the way to go so that people are not using their personal um, devices to the extent possible and they can dock them at work and mm -hmm. have them at home. Um, along those lines, uh, do we require any kind of regular training for employees on cybersecurity, like to how to avoid phishing scams or things like that? Madam Mayor, Councilmember Reyes-Martin, yes, we do. Um, that's one of the that's one of the services that Synergy provides to us. You know, the new employees that join the organization are signed up for cybersecurity training initially. Okay. And then we have what's called weekly micro training, which are reminders and things that come out. 
We also test for spam and we test for malware. So we'll, we will send out things that uh, are not actually malicious, but they, they look like it. And we'll see what comes back to us from employees. So we can see an opening rate versus what okay. they, you know, what they contact us on. Great. And do we have um, servers on site, off site, or do we do cloud based? We are primarily cloud based. Oh, great. And so we have a we have a couple. Yeah, I don't want to want to go into that too much. Sure. We have a yeah. little bit, but uh, primarily cloud. Great, thank you. No, it's really impressive everything you've been able to accomplish in this first year and clearly of very uh, important needs. <laughs> so thank you. Um, oh, I'm gonna say that um, it's very ambitious um, that all your projects that you have, go all that you've accomplished already um, for a whole new department and then also seeing what you have planned ahead. So thank you. Um, thank I, you. I love the direction we're going. I just have a few questions. Well, first of all, I just want to say it's so wonderful to hear that we were able, and you, you said how hard it was to get the extension from FEMA. That was huge. So thank you for all the work on that. And, um, you know, it will be really, uh, the public will be so glad when we are able to get a lot of those things accomplished and get moving over at the community center and um, the the restrooms and the path and I mean the restrooms have been a problem for uh, that area that community center for a very very long time so it's great to see that being addressed and and um, being AD, um, ADA accessible it would be huge uh, let's see and I love uh, I really appreciate that part about getting things like shovel ready um, that's really really an incredibly smart thing to do on that note um, I'm wondering where we're at with the elevator we know that we were talking about doing an elevator here um, you know where's that fit in in the process of um, your, your mm -hmm. scope of work madam mayor that's part of now I'll say it's part of the design for the second floor remodel whether the timing lines up as a separate issue. So, but it's something that uh, we will plan for and design as part of the second floor. And and you know, at some point, there is a threshold where we make uh, improvements that trigger ADA improvements, uh, even on the second floor. And so, one of those primary ADA improvements would be would be the installation of an elevator. Would also be upgrading of those restrooms. Um, and so we'll scope it and design it as one package and then the sequencing of construction is a separate decision in the pathway that we take on that. Okay, that's good to hear. And then um, I'm just curious, that the, I, I, I like the idea, I just not ever heard of a driver training policy for um, employees. Um, is that something that other cities and, and county, they, they offer that? It is, and it's something that's generally uh, highly recommended, and, and um, we might even see a, a slight monetary benefit from our insurance provider. You know, where oh, we have driver training, and we're paying premiums on coverage. Uh, in some cases, it's just mandatory, and others, there's an incentive that goes with it. And we just want our staff to be safe. Right? So. And then um, our IT um, support. Um, how often are they here? I mean, if we um, 
say I need something, um, uh, I have a laptop issued by the city and I can't do any downloads or, you know, um, mm -hmm. um, they have to upgrade uh, whenever there's a, a need. Um, so how often are they here and um, do you feel that's sufficient or sufficiently covered? And Madam Mayor, so right now, Synergy is down a couple of positions. So they are, they are recruiting to mm. fill some vacancies. So you're seeing less of that. them. Right. Okay. Um, that said, the majority of things, the majority of things can be solved remotely. And so, you know, even if they're not on site, um, you know, we can remote in mm. and fix things. If it's, you know, it's very rare that it's a physical connection that's a problem or a physical cable that's a problem. Um, it's generally something that we can fix you know, on screen. Um, the other thing is they, uh, you know, I'll say that uh, if, if a ticket is put into the ticketing system that is a council member, you'll be getting an immediate call. <laughs> oh, they've been great. I'm, and, not, I'm not complaining at all. They, I'm just curious. If you have a problem, you know, you've reached, you all have reached out to me and I will jump on it as well. Yeah, okay, thank you for that. Any other questions? Seeing any. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, ask for public comment. Oh, of course. Thank you. Public Please. comment. If anyone within the Zoom webinar app would like to speak to this item, please use the raised hand icon and I will call on you. And I am seeing none. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Ford. Okay. That will take us to item A3, Neighborhood Services Department Fiscal Year 2023-24 Annual Work Program. Good afternoon, Madam Mayor, members of City Council. Um, do you want me to get started or just wait? Okay. So um, we're excited to be here. Okay. Um, we're excited to be here to present our uh, fiscal year 23-24 work program for neighborhood services. A lot of the first couple of slides will look very familiar to the previous ones you've seen. So uh, if it's okay with you, I'll just kind of briefly touch on them. Same kind of first slide, what the goal of the, the workshop is. Um, moving on to the agenda, we really wanna get a uh, focus on, on items two, three, and four, and then ultimately get to uh, the annual work program adoption for our department. Uh, a couple of things we wanted to kind of highlight was just um, some big ticket items for neighborhood services, uh, a review of what the work that's done in our department and then for each division, we've really um, laid out in the um, more formal uh, Word document uh, the role staffing structure, uh, and we're gonna go through those fairly quickly. 
uh, focus on some key accomplishments, uh, the projects and programs we're, we're working on and ongoing. And then ultimately, the you know, probably of, of somewhat more interest is the upcoming and potential new work efforts, um, if, if able to uh, get to those in the, in the coming years. Um, <clears throat> so just a quick recap. It seems like it was a long time ago, yet it doesn't seem like it was a long time ago, but there was a reorganization of neighborhood services back in July of 2021. Uh, most of those changes have been uh, enacted. Uh, things have, have peeled off over the years with uh, some responsibilities going to the finance department, uh, the city manager's office, uh, but we still have some uh, involvement in those, and so it's not fully transitioned, um, but we hope in the coming years that they will. Some of those include um, sizable CIP uh, projects that um, hopefully will get into construction later this year. Um, big one is also the uh, implementation of the city's homelessness strategic plan. Uh, it's gotten a lot of attention over the last year and a half or so. Um, and then also obviously the assumption of uh, interim management of the community center effective uh, earlier this year on January 1st. And then just still, we are still dealing with some of the, uh, you know, kind of the outgrowth of the uh, changes uh, to the composition of the Black Gold um, Cooperative, um, and then transitioning to different types of software and uh, circulation uh, software as well. So, um, just a couple of things we wanted to kind of bring to your attention. Um, so basically, the the reorg resulted in essentially the library coming over, and then uh, neighborhood services kind of being the, the hodgepodge that it's historically been, um, adding a little bit with the um, interim management of the Goleta Community Center and kind of expanding the role of parks and recreation for the city slowly um, and measured. Um, so we kind of split that up just because they are kind of two different, um, even though they're under the same department, it kind of almost functions like two, two separate uh, service areas. Overall, we have about 29 0.71 FTEs and split between 10.7 in neighborhood services and about 19 full-time equivalents assigned to the library. Um, just briefly, you have this in your uh, packet, but there's the org chart. If you'd like to discuss any parts of it, uh, we just try to simplify it and have it available uh, so people could um, see kind of the arrangement. Essentially, it's just you'll see that kind of distinction where part of it goes over to the library and then the rest of it is, is kind of your, um, I would say, your uh, traditional classic version of neighborhood services. Um, real briefly, the main portions of the neighborhood services department staff focuses on a lot of the administrative, regular day-to-day -day work that we're required to do, uh, services, the parks and recreation functions, uh, like I said, the Glade Community Center is new for fiscal year 22-23. Uh, emergency preparedness and response. Um, we've been very busy the last day or so monitoring the storms um, and then reacting earlier in January. Um, and then also to the grant programs, we had I think three different meetings related to Parks and Rec, uh, the Homeless Issue Standing Committee and the Grant Funding Committee, I think all within the last week. Um, so it's a very active time this time of year for those programs. Um, homelessness, um, obviously a very top of mind for many of our residents as well as the council. Uh, we've been making some great strides. Um, thank you to uh, the addition of Mr. Chuck Flax, who's in the audience. Um, City Assist, which is really um, a core function of the department in the sense that we keep an eye on what our residents are um, 
wanting some help with and then following up with the individual departments to make sure those needs are met. Uh, it's a it's a very um, simple interaction and, and it's designed to be that way, but it's also very powerful in terms of knowing where our problem spots are. Uh, parking control enforcement, always a big issue for neighborhood services is probably, and it is the number one call for service for the city month after month. Um, and so uh, we keep our parking enforcement officer very busy. And with that, um, council just approved, I think it was on Tuesday, the uh, restrictions for Deltopia, uh, limited park, uh, limited parking restrictions. So very timely in terms of what uh, council has seen recently. And then we do have um, a number of CIP projects that we focus on. Um, Ms. Joanne Plummer uh, does an amazing job with those related to the parks um, that um, either for whatever reasons have come to our department um, to help kind of move forward. And then also we have a couple of sizable facility projects as well. Um, and we've been working with uh, Mr. Four on uh, you know, kind of coordinating, making sure that as those facilities get built, they're being built in a way that when he takes over as um, maintaining them, that he actually has a say in what, what's being used and what's being done. Uh, lastly, special projects, very vague, but very <laughs> common, just whatever comes up that needs attention, we go um, and, and try to uh, provide assistance. And then the legacy program support that I mentioned earlier. Um, just CIP-wise, it's kind of interesting that um, we have two major ones, the fire station obviously being the biggest one, and that's probably our most challenging one right now in terms of funding. Um, but we also have a number of other um, CIPs related to uh, the So Grove Park Master Plan, which will be coming to you. I think the uh, staff report for that's already been issued to the public. Um, and then a host of other projects, some some larger than others, um, but all um, you know, kind of moving forward. But just looking at the bottom total, where it's about 65 million, so it's a sizable uh, list of projects that will ultimately benefit the community, but also to just you know require a lot of additional work. Um, and we we do it um, sometimes through consultants, sometimes um, just directly, but always kind of with an eye towards. Uh, keeping our counterparts in different departments involved so that um, we don't we don't get into the trap of, of ending up in silos um, so generally for um, neighborhood services I focused on one kind of area which is is homelessness and kind of the others that I mentioned earlier that's about 4.46 FTEs and I kind of broke down some of the the functions there um, I don't want to be too repetitive again so I'll just um, move on to the next one um, but the significant accomplishments that we wanted to highlight are before you on this table. Um, I know COVID-19 seems like it's gone, but there's still a lot left in terms of, uh, you know, the expenditures and getting reimbursements from FEMA um, and a lot of work that was done to improve kind of the, uh, the ability for the city to uh, respond during that time period. Uh, we've also um, begun a and implementing um, a community disaster education program with our emergency services coordinator. It's been very, uh, very popular, very successful way of, of making it accessible to the public. Uh, the implementation of our homelessness strategic plan, I mean, that's a big one. Uh, we've, we've gone on multiple kind of um, levels and in directions to try to make uh, dents in the, um, the impacts to, of homelessness to the community. Uh, everything from looking at outreach services, um, trying different housing and shelter options, um, 
as we like to say, uh, we need to look at all options at all times. We can't just focus on one. So we've been trying to do that judiciously, but also um, knowing that there's these are real people out there, and so we need to move quickly. Um, again, I uh, just wanted to highlight the uh, Buena Tierra project, which you're very familiar with, but that could be a huge game changer. We're expecting that to open by the end of December of this year. Um, another one was just connectivity for um, City Hall on the second floor for the emergency generator, so now the city can fully operate um, in an emergency, both floors. The floor is kind of a little strange that we didn't, have the connection up because when we initially put it in, we were only dealing with the first floor. Um, the City of Goleta Emergency Operations Plan was recently updated. It's kind of one of those things that's ongoing, though. We always have to make sure we're uh, keeping on track of it. Uh, proud to say that 100% design plans for the Goleta Train Depot were submitted at the end of last year, so just end of December, um, partially to make sure we um, uh, were in line with the, uh, the existing building codes before they changed. And then, um, and just spent a lot of time, and you'll see this throughout the different uh, divisions, but uh, updating and, and, you know, it's always nice that we get a new website or a refresh website, but it takes works to update everything on the back end as well. Um, and sometimes things like those are, aren't necessarily captured, so we wanted to highlight that for you. Um, other major current projects, um, we're in, we believe we're almost done with the hazard mitigation plan update. It's been with the county for now for a couple months, and as soon as that's done, and we can bring it to council, we can kind of check that off our list and be done for about five years. Um, we're looking at the safety training for city council boards and commissions, um, trying to work with our community resource deputy, but also with um, our emergency services coordinator. Just one of those things as we're more and more back at City Hall, making sure that people feel safe and comfortable uh, in the workplace. Um, again, going forward, that homelessness strategic plan, it is large, it is complex, and it is something that will probably just need to be constantly being uh, updated. Uh, we had a very successful update to our homelessness issue standing committee, I think on March 1st, kind of explaining where we are in terms of uh, first couple of quarters of this fiscal year. So we're hoping to bring that to council as well in the future just to have check-ins. Um, and then the other one, which is just a lot of work, is the, uh, the encampment cleanups, uh, coordinating with Public Works Sheriff's Department. Uh, we sometimes have good luck with the Union Pacific Railroad. Not always. Uh, we have had more success with Caltrans recently. Um, and it's really, um, I don't know, it's something I'm really excited and, and proud about, but is the, uh, more and more collaboration with the county and, and others in terms of sharing resources, information, uh, all using uh, Fulcrum, um, common software. So it's, it's even though there's a tendency in government to really focus on whatever agency you represent, um, in this instance, because the population is so transitory, it's really important to have that kind of cross-jurisdiction collaboration. So there's always room for improvement, but I, I like to think that we're um, in a better place than I would think in, in most regards in other, in other communities. Um, the other ones, yeah, Train Depot and Fire Station, which I mentioned, um, we were fortunate enough with the Goleta Train Depot to get an additional funding amount of 5.56 million with a match from the city, thanks to the council of 1 million. So that really um, proved to be a, a huge uh, relief for us just in terms of um, escalating costs and construction. Uh, the grants, um, just a real uh, nod right here to 
all the work that goes into it, it doesn't seem like a lot, but there's multiple funding streams, multiple uh, programs. Uh, part of this includes the CDBG uh, funding. Part of it is general fund money through city grants and support to other agencies, and even a little bit of ARPA money, um, the American um, Recovery Rescue. Sorry, that, that was from 10 years ago. Um, but with the ARPA money that um, resulted from COVID that uh, the city was uh, able to secure. And then, um, you know, all the stuff that goes with that, that's the reporting, the, the, uh, the CAPER, the, all the acronyms that you see here listed. Um, and then also just kind of moving forward with a different approach with the grant uh, programs in terms of, um, you know, it, we're, we're trying it out this year about instead of everything being in the grant funding committee, but moving some of the uh, topic areas to areas that might have a better understanding in terms of parks and rec, um, homelessness issues as well. And then um, working with, you know, almost internally, our internal customers, Public Works for uh, CIP projects that they're the leads on um, and where we can use funding that makes sense internally for their projects. Um, you know, we, we try to do that as much as we can. Um, again, all this requires the updating of layouts and content on the website and then also on the back end of Zoom grants, which is the uh, platform we use for um, most of the grants, all the grant applications that we uh, review as part of our workload. Um, current projects, you know, a lot of things just continue ongoing, um, but it's we're gonna be looking to come to council hopefully uh, this summer to kind of evaluate how um, you know, some of the changes we did to the um, grant funding review process. Um, and then also looking at one thing that always comes up depending on who the who serves on the different committees or commissions is what's the rubric? What's the criteria? What's the, and it's varied so much over the years that part of what we wanna do is, is kind of put it all on the table, uh, come up with a couple of recommendations and then get feedback and have the council, um, you know, kind of establish what that will be rather than kind of deferring to each. But if the council says, well, we'll defer to each of the committees, then so be it. But we wanted to kind of come back and do a check-in with the council on that um, that process. And then um, just uh, additionally, what we're really focused on because um, the CDBG allocation is usually around anywhere from 250 to $280,000, which is a, a very large amount of money but it's also very resource intensive. So uh, we're constantly looking at training, uh, changes to the program, where we can uh, take advantage of the ability to use those funds elsewhere differently to kind of open up the, uh, the possibility of, um, you know, serving the, serving the community better and in different ways. So um, that's another thing we'll be working on going forward. Uh, Parks and Recreation, I have Ms. Joanne Plummer here in the audience. Um, she heads up the, the division, is about five and a quarter, responsible for the Parks and Rec Commission. We just had a meeting here last night. Um, and a, a slew of CIP projects that we um, showed earlier in the, in the table. Special event permit, you know, all the other things that go with uh, Parks and Rec as well as the um, the big one, big change was the interim direct management and contributing to the uh, strategic plan process for the community center. Um, huge project coming to you, 22-23, um, but we're hoping, this is very uh, optimistic, but um, 
by the end of this fiscal year to have kind of the, the, the better direction on uh, Stowe, Grove, Stowe Grove Park draft master plan. I'll slow down. Um, and to get that feedback from council, we've already gone multiple iterations with the public, Parks and Recreation Commission multiple times, and even had a stop with uh, the council last year. Uh, very excited about bringing that um, plan and, and that project towards uh, to, to the community and, and the council. We finished up three parks, uh, Andamar, Winchester one, and Berkeley. A, th a fourth one is almost done, so we can't quite put it on there, but um, we'll have to put it on there for, for next year's presentation. Um, and then also uh, all the prep work that goes into starting the, the interim management. And then uh, we're really excited about bringing to you, hopefully by March 21st, um, well, we need to, um, go, um, plans and specs to go up for bid for construction of uh, Amritos Park improvements, the community garden, as well as the splash pad for Johnny D. Wallace Park. Uh, again, all the other work that goes with updating everything in every single place you can think of and then checking links to make sure you don't send somebody to an old an old file. Um, moving forward, the <laughs> rec needs assessment and our, our facilities and playgrounds master plan, uh, many of you know, is, is quite rich in depth um, and very, very intensive in terms of resources. But you know we're we're picking away at it as we can and making uh, making some pretty good uh, strides there in in doing so for the community and for the city as a whole. Um, stepping up our materials and outreach for the Adopt a Park program and uh, that's been very very uh, well received. Um, the three projects we mentioned uh, there earlier, we'll be seeing a lot of work towards those. Um, you know, in the early part of next fiscal year. And then part of we keep saying the interim management because we just don't know what that's gonna look like longer term. Um, so that helps us plan once we know what that will be like. Um, we'll know what kind of resources we'll need or won't need. Library staffing, um, one of the crown jewels of, of Goleta, obviously. Uh, 19 full-time equivalents, including the hourly pages, but not including uh, the book band staff as that's uh, considered limited time funding. Um, Huge amount of work, um, all the administrative. I didn't know all of that until I started speaking with Ms. Gray on what goes in running an actual library of our size and then doing that on top of um, also having the branch libraries as well that we're responsible for. Circulation reference, digital services. And I really wanna highlight um, six and seven. Uh, the programming that goes on there is incredible. And if you have not been there, I think most of you have been, um, we're having, this is where I put in a plug for Saturday, March 11th, um, a celebration of 50 years, uh, the birthday of the, of the uh, library. It is incredible to see the amount of people that participate in these programs regularly. And these are not just one-offs. Um, we do get, we have gotten some attention for um, the Harry Potter, you know, sleepover, um, some other ones um, as well, but you know, that's kind of a fraction of how much activity actually goes on there. So um, just really want to make sure we highlight that. Uh, we have an incredible staff there that's dedicated to making the experience for all of our residents, our community members, uh, special, unique, um, and, and valued. So um, I'll stop with the cheerleading right there. So, uh, but here's the structure, the org chart. Um, to kind of give you a sense, a lot of it is, is dependent on the part-time employees that um, make the library as wonderful as it is. 
and not really shown here is the um, literally thousands of hours that we get from volunteers that um, show up and show out for the for the library, and it's it's really amazing what they're able to do and why they do it. Uh, some of it is incentivized by um, credits that you get for uh, community service at your local high school, um, but I think a lot of it is just a true commitment and a passion for the library and what it means to the community. Um, smaller yet important is, is the parts, the ancillary parts of the library that we have the satellites, um, the branches up in the San Ynez Valley. And then um, significant accomplishments. Um, again, we're, as we're tailing out of um, COVID, uh, this is really uh, focused on what was able to be done. Uh, we just had a lot of this information presented to the council two days ago, um, but we wanted to kind of uh, raise that up and show like how flexible and how quickly the library was able to pivot um, and, and provide service in a different way to help our community in a time where people felt really isolated and, and weren't sure how things were gonna turn out. Uh, also, the library staff participates in a county revenue raising solution subgroup. The biggest challenge obviously to our libraries aside from, you know, um, outside uh, pressures is, is the funding. And there's no easy answer to these uh, questions, but it's ultimately something that, um, you know, the county group has been trying to find ways to, to improve funding uh, for the libraries. Um, we'll continue to do that. We can only stretch a dollar so far before uh, you can't get it much further. Um, also, very uh, happy that two days ago, it almost seems like we should have had this presentation two days ago, was the uh, adoption of updated library policies, um, some that were kind of long overdue in, sense, in terms of um, wanting to do them. And then thankfully with uh, Ms. Gray's leadership, we were able to get those done before her, um, her retirement, which is coming up fairly soon. So um, thank you to Ms. Gray for that. Um, another one is just still kind of dealing with the, the move and the fine-tuning from Polaris, which is the old kind of system, to COHA um, for circulation acquisitions and material management um, for the library as, as Black Gold members. I think it's safe to say that it's not been the most um, <coughs> easiest to use or easiest to work with, but it's definitely something that um, we continue to, to work with and then work with our partners at Black Gold to see System-wise, if there's ways we can improve that or look to change it, um, maybe not quite yet, but um, just ideas being thrown out there because it's an important thing. Um, one of the limiting factors is that the previous system was very expensive, um, and with two major uh, systems leaving, uh, the, the cost of it for the rest of the uh, consortium was, was really, really high. Um, other one that we're glad to report on, compliance-wise, installed filters on public internet computers to become uh, compliant, uh, Internet Protection Act, that kind of stuff. And then, again, the, when the city does something to its library or to its website, the library also has to do some that and more for its website. So if you haven't had a chance to go on the library's website, I'd really encourage you to do it. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, major current projects, you know, the funding. So I'll just leave that there as the first one. Um, we really wanna get the uh, library strategic plan completed. We, we started kind of working on it, uh, different priorities came up, but we're looking to get back on that as soon as we can. Um, you know, looking at options related to 
the, the book van pilot project that, you know, is kind of uncomfortable to talk about, especially once the, the funding runs out. Um, you know, we'll probably be having much more serious discussions about that as part of the budget process. Um, but also just wanted to say that, you know, we're looking to the county to see if they can step up and, and at least fund the portions related to Isla Vista um, and, and kind of limit what the city is contributing so that it's fairly um, funding the, the operations for those uh, residents that pay into uh, Measure L and, and other uh, sources of revenue. And then lastly, this is kind of just pretty fun to see is just the outgrowth of what happens when you merge um, different people together. Um, the Galuta Community Center and, and working with the library to see if we can get weekly programming for seniors as a way to kind of um, you know, have an additive value to um, the city being in interim management. So, you know, synthesis, cross-collaboration, all those good, good uh, adjectives um, at work there. Um, this is where we end our presentation to questions, and then we also, um, whenever, if that's the desire of the council, we can go to the recommendation, but I, I think we'll pause here and, and uh, entertain any questions you might have at this time. Okay, Council Member Kariakou. Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor, and thank you, Mr. Uh, Valdez, for that presentation. Um, I have a couple of questions about, uh, about the library. So. Our service area extends to, if I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we serve areas as diverse as Hope Ranch and Isla Vista. So we have a pretty broad spectrum. Um, right now, my understanding is the only place that we currently provide any kind of a satellite library or library on the go service is to Isla Vista, and that's through the, the pilot project. Is that correct? Yes. Great. And Ms. Great, thank you for coming up here. Sure. Uh, to the best of your knowledge, do you know how satellite library programs that are administered uh, by other jurisdictions, for example, the city of Santa Barbara, they have one. Um, they have one that goes to places like Montecito and Summerland. Do you know how those programs are funded? And the reason why I ask is I'm looking at the city of Santa Barbara website and it says, Santa Barbara Public Library would like to thank the Women's Fund of Santa Barbara and our generous donors for making this service possible. Do you know if that program, the library on the go in, those, in that jurisdiction is funded exclusively by donors or is there a per capita element to that funding too? I do not know that, but I do know that they applied for a state grant to purchase the bus and so um, they were able to pay for it that way, but I do not know how it is funded on okay. a regular basis. And, and we got our van through a, a state grant as well, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, and the only place that we currently have a van going to is Isla Vista at this time, is that correct? That's correct. We operate the van approximately 20 hours a week. Okay, so if, if you know the people that are in our service area that live near Turnpike or live near Patterson um, on the other side of the freeway or on this side of the freeway, they, they don't have that service coming to them at the moment, correct? That's right. Okay, um, <clears throat> so you know, Goleta has some, you know, some underrepresented areas, for example, um, Old Town Goleta. And I've heard from community members that they would like to have library services brought to them, even a satellite library location, because we don't have a cooling center in Old Town um, and things like that. Um, is our per capita sufficient to be able to fund those kinds of expansions, or is the operation of the existing library facility 
plus the ones that we're responsible for in Buellton and Solving um, require essentially all of that funding. Well, the ones that we operate in Buellton and Solving are, are funded by county per capita and then also a small portion of their cities. But in terms of Goleta's budget, we do not have the extra to fund the book van um, for any hours in 23-24. So if we didn't have a new source of funding and we wanted to provide the type of services that we're currently providing to Isla Vista, you know, go to different, different parts of the area, for example, that are funded through um, the special tax that Goleta area residents uh, pay for library services, um, and that money came out of our per capita, um, would we have enough money to be able to continue operating the library that serves everybody in our service area? We would have to lessen services at the regional main library. Um, all of the per capita that we receive has always been used to fund that main regional library. Okay, and then how are things going? Um, you know, we've had some, some other jurisdictions that were significant contributors to the Black Gold Cooperative uh, leave the cooperative. I believe they left at the end of 20, um, the, the 2022 fiscal year. How has the migration to having fewer contributors to the, um, the overall collection of books and everything, how has that been for us? It's been really complicated. It's been a rough couple of years. Um, in fiscal year 21-22, Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo kind of created the carrot and the donkey situation, and they held two carrots up, and they made the rest of us jurisdictions act like the donkeys. And they initially said, well, if you go with the Aspen overlay to be your library catalog, online catalog, uh, we'll consider staying in black gold. So we evaluated the product, and we actually felt that the, the Aspen overlay would offer our patrons a better opportunity for one-stop shopping. They wouldn't have to go to a different site to find downloadable materials, for example. They would put in a search term, and it would search all of our resources. So we felt good about that product. We, we agreed, we went with the product, and then they said, well, we want to stay in black gold, but only if you go with the Koha circulation and acquisition, acquisition modules that are affiliated with Aspen. We wanted to do whatever we could to keep those two largest um, jurisdictions in black gold so that our patrons could have access to their materials. They had the largest number of materials in black gold. And we knew that our patrons would lose access to about 700,000 items if they both left. So while I don't think any of the directors were convinced that COHA was an improvement over Polaris, um, we did have to think in terms of finances if Santa Barbara and SLO did withdraw from Black Gold, could we afford Polaris on our own? And we judged that we could not. It was, a, you get what you pay for. It was a great product, but it was expensive. Koha is an open source product, so it's inexpensive. So we went with it, and it has been such a challenge. Um, it's, I think it's, we did a lot of research into it. It's great for single libraries, 
but for a consortium, it's a challenge. I seem to recall a lot of service tickets being submitted. Oh, so many. And we've just been able to actually start ordering books this December. We had not ordered books since last April because the system, the COHA system, just couldn't work with our vendors. So it's been very frustrating. And of course, on July 1st, they left Black Gold. And one of the other things that they have done is that um, they have refused to pay bills that they owe. So they owe for accrued pension liabilities for staff whose services they used when they were members of Black Gold, but they refused to pay those PERS bills. And so that means that the other jurisdictions are being assessed a portion of SLO and Santa Barbara's pension liabilities. And it will just keep going, and the bills will be getting higher and higher each year. So um, this is something that we've hired an attorney, and we're trying to figure out some sort of solution that doesn't punish the remaining black gold jurisdictions. We're also working with the attorney to um, update our JPA, which goes back to 1964, I think. And um, the State Library of California said, emperors said that if we submitted that JPA now, it would never be accepted. Mm. So we're working on modernizing it so that if this happens in the future, no one could leave without paying what they owe. Well, it sounds like you've had a lot of challenges in your last remaining time with us. And all I have to say is we're so lucky that we had you during this time because I don't know how we would have got through, gone through it. You know, we talked about HR earlier. If, we'd had been, if we had been going through a recruitment to hire for this position while we were going through all this, I mean, it wouldn't have just been an HR nightmare. It would have been a library nightmare. Um, so just thank you, thank you, thank you. As we come <laughs> to welcome. our 50th anniversary of this library, just thank you for helping us get to 50 years. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, I will say that the Black Gold directors will be reevaluating Koha and Aspen, uh, I think around July, which will be the one year anniversary for Koha. So they will look at whether there are more affordable products out there that would be better. So maybe there's a solution ahead. Thank you, thank you for that. You're um, welcome. I don't really have any more questions, just a comment. Uh, you, don't, you can stay or, or not stay, just a, a comment. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, the situation with Isla Vista is unique. Um, you know, we were, we were fortunate enough as the librarian for Isla Vista to be the recipients um, of a grant uh, that was really inst um, instigated by um, our now state senator, Monique Limon. And what was ultimately decided upon by the Library Advisory Committee was to go for an option for a, this two-year grant uh, for a pilot program for Isla Vista Library Services to go through sort of a, a you know sort of a pop-up mobile uh, bookmobile program and it was it was such a challenge to administer because COVID happened and the city quite appropriately uh, stuck some of its own money in to kind of help it go and get through the end of the two-year cycle and I, I want to make sure we acknowledge that because that was something we didn't have to do and we did it 
because we wanted to keep our word to the senator that we were going to make that program happen for the full two years. And I think, you know, one thing we have to really think about as a council is how do we simultaneously, simultaneously balance a couple of goals? One of which is how can we best serve all of our citizens that we serve, including the Isla Vista folks that are in our service area? And then um, what's the appropriate thing to do with the van? Because at the end of the day, we wouldn't have the van if we hadn't had the grant. But by the same token, it was a two-year pilot program. So we didn't sign up to have only one jurisdiction we serve have a la carte library services direct to your door forever while the rest of our citizens, many of whom pay twice for library services, once captured by the per capita, I, I'm sorry, I'm corrected as three times by Ms. Schmidt, um, you know, there, there's, a, there's an, an inequity there too. So I think we need to uh, look to the second district supervisor's office, uh, supervisor caps, um, and possibly other regional partners. Um, I, I can't help but notice that in, in Santa Barbara, they serve Montecito and Summerland. Uh, they have donations, the Women's Fund, uh, and, and donors that help make those services happen. So perhaps um, the Isla Vista community would be a, a, amenable to trying to go out and finding, find some regional partners and some philanthropy uh, to make, be able to help maintain that level of service for our Isla Vista neighbors. But then I think we also have to look inward and you know how can we better serve Old Town? How can we better serve all of the different districts of our city? We, we do have to start looking at ourselves as four districts in some respects now, right? That's something that the community wanted. So we, we've done that. So we have to make sure, you know, if we're going to do mobile library services, we need to make sure that we're serving all four districts equitably and fairly. Uh, and then to what extent can we expand and, and serve some of the other people that are in our, uh, that we are responsible for. And it's gonna be a really tricky and thorny challenge um, on top of everything else that you just described. So just again, thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Kessler. Thank you. Um, so I guess first it's uh, for Mr. Valdez, it's, I'm, I'm not sure, it, I was gonna ask about GEM and if this is, I know it's one of the legacy projects that you have, so I don't know if this is really sort of looking forward, if that's in your purview or the city managers, but just to offer it up, that the GEM program initially was, as you well know, uh, had a physical location, and it enabled, the GEM program is the Goleta Entrepreneurial Magnet, and it allows for uh, us to act as kind of an incubator for local businesses and for students to uh, create businesses in the area. And at one point, there was a physical space where they could do it, one, like, um, I forget what you call that. A, uh, Accelerator? Anyway. What's that? Accelerator? Yeah, good enough. <laughs> <laughs> incubator? Uh, but um, that you know, because of various costs and so forth, a, a number of years ago that was uh, eliminated and it became all virtual. And so what we're doing now, as I understand, is that the program is helping to fund a, a uh, curriculum at UCSB and the students, it just funds their course of study and then they are dispersed to wherever they may go throughout wherever they live 
And so it doesn't necessarily generate benefits to the city. And so I'm just uh, thinking it's worth stepping back in the future and thinking about it. How can we get this program to deliver things that, that benefit us more directly? It may be that we offer some sort of targeted um, programs, that there are certain areas where we really, you know, in GEM, we want to see them work on, you know, this particular set of activities. I don't know. But I think it would be helpful uh, for us to think about, or for you to think about, or for, for you to think about, <laughs> for everyone to think about, um, and how we can get this to, you know, produce as much as we can. Yeah, we can absolutely do that. Um, the economic development function that, that kind of oversees GEM is, is now in the city manager's office, but we still collaborate on that. And, and to your point, um, recently we even tried uh, joining forces with uh, an air, uh, a business entity that was called Goodspace, um, and they had a physical location. Unfortunately, they decided to open, I think it was like two weeks before the March orders in 2020. I mean, they could have had a, a worse, worse luck in terms of, of opening. Um, and then recently, this was probably last, maybe about a year ago, we had tried to work with them to have, and we did have some events. Unfortunately, the, the principal ended up just, it didn't make sense financially to continue and ultimately um, had to make the decision to close. We've been looking at other, there's a place called the Sandbox, which is mimics another location in downtown Santa Barbara. So we're trying to find different spaces, but the uh, the old model that we had, we were spending close to ten, twelve thousand dollars a month to have a space, a physical space down uh, six hundred pine. Uh, once you added everything in, it was just very expensive and and uh, wasn't really providing benefit. So I think uh, part of that is being explored in the economic development strategic plan. It's its usefulness, uh, what it needs to be done to to kind of amplify it. But you're right. I think um, it's kind of languished. Um, the, the, the setting for those types of uh, organizations really really flourish when people are around each other. And for two years, people weren't hanging out. And you know, you can try to have virtual programming, but it's, it's not quite the same. So um, I appreciate you bringing that up. And we'll, certainly, I know uh, Mr. Kintz and I will have a conversation to follow up on that as well. Thank you. Uh, a couple more things. Uh, for Is it in your your area, I guess, or, or with Ms. Bummer, sort of the acquisition of sites, the acquisition of, uh, you know, if there's a, a spot that's environmentally sensitive but that, and that potentially could make a good park or a good open space, is that your area? Yeah, so historically and even recently, we've been focused on what we call the Matilda parcels, uh, kind of the interface of vacant parcels that are uh, abutting uh, very pristine parts of our, our city. Uh, on the bluffs, and so we continue to do that. We're actually working on one acquisition right now, um, trying to move it forward. Um, but yeah, we still do that. In terms of uh, general acquisitions, I think that's more general services now. Um, it's It's been something where we all kind of work <laughs> together across departments. Uh, obviously, finance is involved. Um, I have some experience on, on the real estate side of things in the past, including City Hall here. But um, yeah, I think for the most part, that general services is kind of the lead. They're taking the lead on the, the MOT as well with uh, Ms. Green. 
So just just buying property out there to buy property, I think is is transitioning to general services. I know neighborhood services did, did a couple of uh, acquisitions at the request of council and, and the manager previously. Well, I've heard some environmental groups offer, you know, point to this property or that property and say, oh, you should get that. They should be then talking to general services or or you or well, where? we're happy to take that initial contact for um, if it's specifically related to to you know kind of um, in the spirit of the Matilda parcels per se. Um, obviously, any negotiations, any of that kind of thing, will go through the city manager's office. But if it's if it's an initial kind of request or ask, um, I'm our department's happy to kind of look into it first. I don't want to make any promises because we don't, um, it's no, up to the city manager, right, as to who ultimately does it. But traditionally, right. that's been something that neighborhood services has been uh, privy right. to. Okay, um, good. A couple of library things. First, it's just, um, you know, the funny thing is, is that first an observation, when one thinks of librarians, often the stereotype is somebody who's gonna go shh. Uh, and, and the, the interesting thing is just how different it is in many ways in our librarians and our library, that it is a group of people who are dedicated and really care and really want to help out. And so it's, um, it's, it's just a testament to, to you and the, your group uh, that people feel welcomed, not, not shushed. Uh, so. And last, as far as the van goes, um, you know, I, I think the van is an opportunity. It's not just a, a question of, um, you know, our burden with it or something like that. It is an opportunity to do outreach in areas. It's an opportunity to extend the um, presence of the <coughs> library and, and provide it to people who are less who are less likely to be able to get to the library. I mean, the point is, you know, in a lot of neighborhoods, they drive and there's no problem. But if there are certain areas where we feel that they're going to have more of an impediment, let's look for the opportunity to serve them in some ways. So that includes Isla Vista. We do get some um, per capita. There's nothing, it's, I think it's reasonable for us to provide that. However, I don't think it necessarily means that it's a, the sole and exclusive use of the van should be necessarily in Isla Vista. I think it's perfectly appropriate for other areas. Uh, Old Town is one. I would think, uh, you know, not to be parochial, but the um, Pacific Oaks and Matilda also is a kind of uh, sort of area which uh, merits, I would think, that kind of uh, support. So where there seems to be that they would genuinely benefit from it, that seems like we should be thinking about it. And how it works out in terms of funding, I, you know, I think looking for grants is absolutely the right thing to do. But it's also, this is an opportunity to serve our constituency, and let's not forget about it. Uh, and as far as the pensions and black gold and so forth and that, those, you know, them weaseling out of it as they are, go get them. <laughs> okay, thank you. Sure. Uh, Mayor Bertam Richard. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, I'll comment with regard to park acquisitions and park space. You, you may have heard that we're going to be getting a new 
two acre park as part of a project. Did, did something <laughs> just happen on <laughs> Tuesday? Yeah, yeah you, you, you might already have heard about that, yeah. <laughs> um, a couple, just a uh, follow up to the book van uh, discussion. I really appreciated the comments uh, and the discussion that was here tonight. Uh, so it was my understanding that what the, the, the grant that we had received was the 200,000 and that was for the purchase of the van and then the operation of it for the first two years. And and from what we hear, it was not enough to cover the, uh, the current year. Uh, I guess we ran out of funds. Mm -hmm. How much money did the city uh, have to put in to finish out this current year? I'd have to look, but I think it was 45,000, if my memory serves me correctly. Yeah, and so part of it too, I think, um, and if it's okay, I was just gonna expand on on the service and the provision with that grant. It was buying the vehicle, outfitting the vehicle, and then staffing the vehicle. Um, one thing that we kind of realized obviously over time was that in order to be safe and, and secure for our um, staff, and then also for serving the public well, you needed to have two people out there. Right. And I think maybe that wasn't fully captured in the initial calculations. I'm not trying to assign any, but um, I know that was one of the things that strained uh, the budget was the uh, the number of hours and, and needing to have two people there to physically load the, the materials, which are, you know, can be heavy, the books and all that. But then also to the, the sense of security and safety of our staff to be in certain parts of cities where, you know, we're in Isla Vista where, you know, there might've been a lot of interactions that weren't so positive. And so, it's, um, I like to think that at the city, we think very highly of our staff and their safety first um, in delivering, oh, I thought I was gonna get shished. Um, <laughs> but no, it's just, you know, those are another things to keep in mind is, um, you know, grants often come with a, a beautiful ribbon on top and then you kind of get into them and realize they don't cover as much as you think they were going to. We had issues with supply chains. I mean, you've heard a lot of different things, but even getting certain things to for the, for the outfitting of the, the van uh, proved difficult. So anyways, just kind of some of the other things that, that came in line with that, um, that whole narrative. Thank you, yeah, well, and I appreciate that. And you know, it's, I, I, I can appreciate the challenge of really coming up with a, a budget that will you know, cover all of the imaginable expenses of starting a new program. I mean, so uh, obviously, but I also, you know, acknowledge that we made a commitment that, that you know, that it was a two-year program and the, submit, the city, you know, uh, stuck by our commitment and put in the extra money that was necessary to make sure that we followed through with the full two-year program um, as, as it was envisioned. So um, I, think, I think as we look at moving forward, I'll be interested to know more about what the annual cost would be. I don't expect that you'll have all that available right now, but as we as we discuss that, you know, what would the annual cost of keeping that program alive be and and what would a fair amount, you know, to be expected that we would contribute versus other, uh, you know, sources that we could request from. So, I don't know if you have anything that you want to say about that. No, I agree and, and we'll be prepared. I'm not okay. prepared right now, but No, no, I understand for sure. <laughs> um and then the only other item I have, and I understand that we're kind of at the end of our time tonight, is you know with regard to Fire Station Ten, you know the, you know this is a, a a project that we've been working on a while, and we've made some good progress. I know we've gotten a, a approval from the Coastal Commission. We have uh, approved design and plans for it, 
Um, and and it's kind of stalled, and I understand from what you were saying, it, it's a matter of just the funding for it. Is that what's holding us up? And what can we do to keep this project alive and moving forward? So, yeah, I mean, the unfortunate reality of it is that that budget, that cost has, has grown significantly over time. Um, part of it is uh, the city is not really in a position to, to bond for it, uh, to cover that. Uh, and if it did, it'd be, in, you know, very much um, almost like solely focused on one thing, right? And so part of what we're looking at is, and this is all just discussions with the county fire district, but is looking at having them take a deeper look at their finances, what their plans are for the future. They're doing a capital asset study right now on their other remaining um, fire stations. But, you know, we've, we've, we've shared with them that, you know, we're not in a position to build this right now with the, the funding that we have available. Um, and so there, there's definitely a, a sense of collaboration there. I think the, the fire chief and his staff are really wanting to make this work, but it always comes down to dollars and cents. You know, people think something's gonna cost 10 million and then they go to do it and it costs 20, right? And so, um, and then you add on top of that, you know, timing, um, delays, you know, special conditions, um, certain agreements, and all of a sudden it balloons. Um, I don't have a great answer for you. I just, you know, when you add the calculator up, um, it just doesn't, it just doesn't add up right now. So we'll continue to have those discussions with the county. We just, I, I spoke with the chief two weeks ago. Uh, they're looking at getting some preliminary results out in the next six weeks for their study. So um, we'll continue to work because we know it's important. Okay, great. Well, thank you. I appreciate that sure. update, and I'm glad to know that it that we're still actively pursuing it. So thank you. Councilmember Reyes Fortin. Thank you. I'll just briefly add my comments about the book van. Um, I have so much empathy for Isla Vista. It's a vibrant, wonderful community. They're my former constituents. Um, so I, I feel like I know the area really well. Um, and so, you know, this discussion is in no way, and I've heard this from my colleagues, about not wanting to, you know, pro, you know provide services to Isla Vista. Um, it, and I do see it as an opportunity. I do think there's an opportunity to work with our partners at the county. Um, Supervisor Caps is now, uh, has that in her area. Um, work with philanthropic partners potentially. Um, I can see it being a very attractive option for uh, philanthropic investment. And I'd also add, you know, our school districts as a potential partner. Um, I know that the Isla Vista School Library is fantastic. Um, I try not to have favorites, but it might be my favorite <laughs> library um, in the school district, and it's very, very heavily used. I don't know if there was ever any outreach. Well, actually, I know. There wasn't really a lot of outreach to the school district when the book van was being developed. Um, but I do wonder if there might be some potential partnership there um, where you have multiple partners that might be willing to step up uh, to, to see what, what can be done there. So I do think it's an opportunity um, I hope to continue that conversation, um, and thank you for this presentation. Well, we were supposed to be done at 8, and it's 8.10, so I'm going to be really brief, but I'm going to first start off by thanking you so much and your depart your whole department for everything that they do. It's been um, a pleasure working closely with you with a homelessness standing committee and also um, on the grant committee. Um, so, you know, I know the, it's, it may, I don't know how you um, handled all the, 
all the homelessness um, coordination before Mr. Flex came on, because you and Miss Dawson, I mean, it was overwhelming. And um, now, you know, even with Mr. Um, Flex, um, it's still a lot going on. But I, I, you know, for the first time in a long time, um, for many years, um, I see us moving forward. Um, you know, you take a couple steps forward and maybe one back, but. I see it's a regional approach and all of us working together and so many partners working on it. So I can't thank you enough um, for all that you're doing in that, that department um, with that um, topic. And, and um, when it's near, near and dear to me, I think ever since I've been on the council, I've been on, um, involved with the Homelessness Committee. So thank you for all the work that you do. And, and the library, I, I will piggyback on what, what you said. Ms. Um, Reyes Martin, um, you know, but I will say th that there was a promise. If you go back and you look at the ribbon cutting from the day that we did um, the book ban, um, I remember clearly that um, Senator, uh, Senator Lamone did say she would, you know, it was important to her to keep this going. So, you know, a conversation with our senator. Um, you know, I think is in order, definitely. But I like all the other suggestions because there always has been talk of something in um, in Old Town um, when we were looking at going to take over uh, or going to build City Hall at the community center. That was on the wish list, along with a lot of other things. But that was a priority to have a library in Old Town. So um, I, I support that idea very much. But. This um, book van is doing good things in Isla Vista, so I'm glad it's there as well. Um, Parks and Rec, oh my gosh, you guys are just doing, the, the splash pad is finally coming this summer, you think? Okay, I, yes. <laughs> uh, I know the kids will be really, it's hard to think about it right now, it's so cold, and um, <laughs> but it will be appreciated when it does come, so thank you for that. But um, I really don't have anything to add, I think. To the conversation, but I think you needed to go on a little bit. Were, oh. there, were there recommendations or were there the something recommend, else? Oh, sorry. The recommendation was what's on the staff report is essentially adopt the, okay. um, discuss work priorities and adopt an annual work program for fiscal year 23-24 for the Neighborhood Services okay. Department. Okay. We don't have our outstanding city attorney here tonight, but I'll <laughs> fill in and say maybe one motion for all three work plans. How does that sound? Um, Okay. I don't think we had a motion before. I thought it was informal. Uh, do I don't we adopt? Right? Adopt. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, can it's we go it to can't, the It can't hurt. Priorities. I move we adopt the darn <laughs> work plans. <laughs> and I want darn in the motion. Public comment, Did Madam Mayor. Public, public, comment. Public, public comment. Public comment we haven't had. Thank you. If anyone within the Zoom webinar app would like to speak to this item, please use the raised hand icon and I will call on you. I'm seeing no one. Okay, so. I once again move the darn motions. Okay, do we have a second? <laughs> okay, roll call vote. Councilmember Kasdan? Aye. Councilmember Reyes Martin? Aye. Councilmember Kiriako? Aye. Mayor Pro Tempore Richards? Yes. Mayor Perotti? Aye. And do please lock your vote in. There we go. Unanimous. All right, thank you, everyone. I guess the meeting is adjourned.
want you come home